it's a top selector. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. I know you're gonna dig this. And we are live, me and the big dog, head of Leave It in the Ring, the radio network. It is Mr. David Duenes. How's it going, David? It's going good, man. Hey, welcome to another edition of Leave It in the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenes, with my co-host, The Mill Car. And, uh, man, we have a lot to hand on hand wrap here on Leave It in the Ring. Hey, don't forget to... Uh, Jab the like button and uppercut the notification bell. Don't leave it up to the judges because uh, then you'll never hear from us. But anyways, man, um, like I said, we have a lot of stuff. We have uh, Jose Benavides Jr. coming through for us here on Leaving the Ring. And then we got Antonio uh, Diaz, uh, the ex-IBF, also the man that stepped in and fought Sugar State Moses. He's going to be joining us in a little short bit, like at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Um, here on Leaving the Ring. So let's start off, though. I mean, let's just jump into it already, okay? Let's jump in the ring about this past Saturday on the zone. Virgil Ortiz Jr. gets in with Maurice Hooker. And uh, Amokar, what did you think about the fight? I thought it was a great fight. I thought it was a great fight, too. And it actually played out kind of the way we discussed on the show, David. Virgil Ortiz was too big, too strong. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. He was too young, too. I mean, he just brought it. And he had that kind of enthusiasm that you'd expect from a young, undefeated, hungry lion. Uh, right. Really to, uh, wanting to go forward. And once he kind of sensed that Maurice Hooker couldn't really hurt him that badly... Uh, the fight just totally went into one-sided territory. I was actually very impressed by the way Hooker fought. He boxed his ass off. And I would have liked to see a bit more movement from him. But you cannot question his heart at all. And I think what he did at the end of the fight was classic. The way he told those fans to go fuck themselves. And, and said that they don't know what it's like to be a warrior because guess what? They don't. No, they really don't. You know, I tweeted out a little earlier. I said, look, I saw Maurice Hooker touch Jose Ramirez. I saw Maurice Hooker touch Virgil Ortiz Jr. Uh, sometimes some fighters are willing to go through the fire to get a win. Or is this just boxing? You're supposed to be touched. Now, Virgil Ortiz got touched, but you saw head movement. You saw defense there. It wasn't like he was walking in the straight line without being aware that he had a guy with two arms that can ha- that has a great, decent punch returning shots back at him when he was trying to land shots. It was nothing like that. You didn't see any of that. What you saw was a guy that was trying to figure out a very dangerous, supposed opponent in front of him. The only thing that didn't happen supposedly was Hooker wasn't that dangerous because Ortiz didn't allow him to be that dangerous. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Maurice Hooker. He came to fight. I thought his will and his heart was completely in this fight, but he couldn't overcome what I think, and I think a lot of us believe that Ortiz is kind of a special fighter, in my opinion. Very special fighter. And I always say this, and I'm going to keep harping on it, but as soon as I heard about his cross-country background in high school, 
Right. I knew this kid was the goods. And from what I've heard, he actually enjoys running, which makes sense because to do really well at that sport, you've got to enjoy running. And as you know, running, distance running is a big part of boxing training. And if you can enjoy distance running, to me, you're like, what, 70% there as it relates to your conditioning for boxing? Well, I'll tell you what. When I started covering the sport and I was going down to the wild card or any gym that had the 24-7 HBO crew, they all said the same thing. They noticed that every guy that wins these big fights are guys that love to do road work. They put in the work on one of the most boring things, the repetitive things that a lot of fighters don't like to do, which is what? Be on the road. The only guy that I know that was successful of not being on the road doing road work, a mo-cart, was James Tony. James and Tony. We all know about James Tony. He loved to spar, and that's yeah. where he made up, was in sparring. But this yeah. doesn't work for everybody. The only you know? thing I, I honestly didn't really like that much about Hooker was the ha, 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 ha. It's a telling move because yeah. if you can hear it before he throws it, yeah, you know, throw something. Yeah, it's like you're you know? lying the guy. I've never understood it. It's like we're not playing tennis, guys. You know, yeah. I mean, you're not <laughs> hitting a, a ball like 160 miles an hour. It's like you're telegraphing your move. And once a guy gets your breathing down, now he's got your timing down. And it's even more than that because it's like a, a musical instrument almost where right. based on the breathing, you can kind of even tell – whether he's going to throw a hard shot, whether he's going to throw a, 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 whistle. a jab. I mean, it's, it's a, especially to a guy that was a, a runner, that's a whistle of knowing when to go. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Because, again, the heart back on his training in cross country, like that's a sport where you can literally hear people's breathing around you. Right. You, you know, you can tell based on how, how they're operating around you and their breathing, whether they're going to make a, a kick, whether they're going to move on you, you know, right. whether they're going to turn it up. So this is all data that Ortiz could have been downloading the entire fight. Well, I'll tell you what, what makes the kid intelligent is that he understood that I can't just be a headhunter. I got to find the kink. And Hooker, because we know that Hooker's going to come with heart. We know that Hooker's going to bring will, which he did. He showed that he's no punk. He's gonna, he's willing to sit there and trade. You're going to bang me, I'm going to bang you back. I'm going to let you know I'm always in the fight. What Ortiz didn't do, though, was fall in love with what he was being successful with in the, in, in the beginning of those rounds was getting some headshots. What he did was brilliant, brilliant, was that he – he, he did the authorization. He goes, oh, look, I got the head, but I'm going to go to the body. Let's test the body. Let's see how well conditioned. Is he a runner like me? Can he take the shots of a body, uh, the body shots from a, a true welterweight since he jumped up? He tests that water, and guess what? He found out he could swim in that water because it wasn't that deep, and it turned out to be it was very successful for him. He might as well have been a scuba diver as well as being a, a, a track runner in that fight. Yeah, absolutely. And I was very impressed by him. Uh, I'm always impressed by Virgil Ortiz. I'm impressed by the way yeah. he fights. Uh, I'm impressed by, and by, by the way he fights, I mean his tactics. Uh, yes, he got touched a little bit, but that was all part of his, of, of his strategy. He knew he had to get touched a little bit to implement his game plan, uh, which was essentially to test Maurice Hooker's strength 
attest Maurice Hooker's punching power and eventually walk him down and knock him out. Um, and that takes guts that, to do right. that. That takes self-belief. You know, that takes a willingness to really test yourself against a guy who's a former two-time uh, world champion and uh, yeah. whose who's only losses were to the highest kind of level of competition. So big up to him. I also like the way he handled himself after the fight. Um, and I was also, you know, I, I kind of like this corner work, too, that, that, that I was hearing. When that kind of exchange was happening with him and Hooker, and Hooker was starting to kind of trash talk him a little bit, you know, his corner just said, you know what, just focus on what you got to do. Just focus on the game plan. Get back to business. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, look, I thought that Hooker's team, Bomack, um, gave the right instructions. But I've always said this. Look, you can give your fighter the right instructions. It's up to them to implicate it and to deliver. It's hard to deliver, though, when you got a guy that's talented and strong and can adjust to what you're doing. You know, absolutely. moving away from that, uh, after the fight, look, I tweeted out, you know what I would like to see next for Virgil Ortiz is not Crawford or Spence. I don't know why we're talking so early about this. Uh, I mean, I do know why, because we're not going to get Spence and Crawford right away. It's being drawn out. It may never happen. But I was like, look, in order for me to have any confidence for Virgil Ortiz to make that step up, to be in the talks of possibly being a 50-50 fight with Crawford or Spence, especially with Spence, who's proven, in my opinion, to be the better welterweight, to have more of the label of being pound for pound in that division. I'd like to see Ortiz step up and maybe face Keith Thurman, who is not very consistent, and if you really wanted to make an impression, if you really wanted to convince us, Amilcar, that he was ready for the 147 elites, it'd be against Sean Porter. But that's a big order to go after Sean Porter. So I would be that's satisfied. I would order. be satisfied with a happy meal, Keith Thurman. I got I got more than a happy meal. I've got yeah. a I've got a supersize me style uh double Big Mac order coming your way. In the Ooh. form of Adrian the Problem Broner. How about that one? <sighs> no. What Adrian the Problem Broner, man? How about not that? Even. That's not even How a super size meal. That's, <laughs> like, that's, that's like that's like me getting my order of six nuggets and you get How me about four. the problem? Let's get Listen, the problem in there. That'd, that'd be the problem. That'd be the problem. I'd go through the window order my six nuggets, and I'd only get four pieces of the nuggets. I'd have to go back because that was the problem. I don't want it. Look, what I want is real test, test for Ortiz. Forget the names. I mean, that would be a good name to market against because, you know, Broder's going to come to fight. Broder's going to, you know, he's going to talk the talk, but doesn't really walk that walk. What I want are, are something that's more tangible, something that you can go, okay, you know, nobody's has stopped. Or, or, you know, a, 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 a Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman lost to a great Manny Pacquiao. You know, there's no shame to losing to Manny Pacquiao. Go after that. But like I said, if you really wanted to make a jump, if you wanted to leave the fast food market and you wanted to go to the five-star dine, you go to Sean Porter. But that's even a very big, big chunk of steak. He may not chew on very well right now. I don't see why there's the big rush of seeing him against Crawford. 
even like Crawford, look, look, let me take let me let me take a few steps back about Crawford. Why is Crawford so much more elite than Virgil Ortiz when Crawford himself hasn't even proven, in my opinion, to be in the status of being the best welterweight right now? I mean, Crawford to me is still a guy that has a lot of questions to answer in the welterweight division. The only one that doesn't want to answer him is Crawford. The only one that wants a big payday at the moment is Terrence Crawford. I could see Errol Spence. That's argumentable right there where you could say he's the better guy. Of course. Why? Because he's fought guys that are actually welterweights. Well, I've actually got some footage of someone who uh, needs to test himself again at the welterweights. Here we go. About winning your third title, you're 23 years of age, three different weight divisions. What does that mean to you at this point in your career? I mean, it's a tremendous accomplishment. 23 and up. 20, no, 23 years old, 27 and up. 22 knockouts. I mean, who's doing it like me in the game? Nobody. And shout out to Worldstar, because we're going to put his ass on Worldstar, too. And your role model, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, who's doing it in the game as big as him, Dave? <laughs> Who's doing it in the game is big. Now you're trolling me. Now you're really trolling me. Oh <laughs> uh, man! But look, shout out to uh, Outlaw out there. Uh, Outlaw was saying that no PBC fighter is fighting Ortiz. That might be uh, pretty true. Um, DG's up here with us. Uh, so is G Funky Boxing, Puerto Rican Rum. And my man Nando is with us as well, along with our brother Chicano Prophet. Let us know who you think, guys, in terms of who should be up on the docket for Virgil Ortiz Jr. By the you know, way, let me, let, me, let me put this out really quick, because you said something last week on last week's show that did spark up a lot of, uh, it, it actually lift, you know, had a lot of ears pointing up in what you said. And even some fans were kind of upset. Uh, about what you said on the Leave It a Ring Gmail, the saying of of like PBC guys don't want to fight versus the guys that are like you know uh, Gonzalez and Estrada, they come from a different spot. I agree with you, but then I don't agree with you because I, I know the gear is like. Look, I think what we're trying to say is American fighters, right? American fighters don't want to step up. American fighters want the big payday without really putting in the work. Marvelous Marvin Hagler, late Marvelous Marvin Hagler, who we had on, said it best. I was in the era when fighters fought. This is the era when fighters want business first. You, you know, I think the only guy that stands out for me, and you might disagree with me, I think a lot of folks may disagree with me, um, but I look at Deontay Wilder. I think he's one of the last American fighters that were willing to fight anybody. He fought Tyson Fury twice. Didn't need to do that. He fought Ortiz twice. Didn't need to do that. And he's been willing to want. He's been willing to want to fight guys. I mean, look, he was chasing the trilogy. Whether you think he was it or not, and he liked, and he drew out the contract for it to expire. It's entirely up to you. But to me. I think Deontay Wilder has delivered as one of the last American fighters to go, hey, I want to fight everybody because I want to prove I'm the best. Yeah, and I'm sure if we rack our brains, we might be able to come up with another two names, maybe three names. But yeah, I, I wasn't specifically speaking about just PBC guys. I mean, in general, right. just saying that guys in the lower weight classes, and let's be honest, guys from Central America and Asia – these fights are a little bit easier to make. I don't think that's that controversial, you know. Um, 
we can get unification fights at 115 uh, more than we can get them at, at a 154 or 147 or at the heavyweight division. These guys are fighters willing to fight. Um, and, yeah, their backgrounds are a little bit different, you know. I mean, no disrespect to, you know, people out here in the U.S., but, I mean, it's a whole – But it's, it's almost kind of true because I agree with you. You know, the more and more we see American fighters, we're starting to see this trend where they've kind of figured out, look, I've always said this. I've said this for years. Um, it's a double-edged sword. We asked our fighters to be smarter. They've become smarter. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Devin Haney. This kid, when he came out into the scene, he came out as the youngest promoter. Think about it. He's actually been behaving like a promoter on the next uh, on the uh, um um the round table <laughs> almost said a no show that we used to have on leaving um on the round table you guys were bringing up some excuse me some great points about how devin haney was you is using social media uh tagging himself with names of other fighters uh, generate generating the interest but never really following through but at the same time got a million dollars to fight a one-legged past his prime, not even in the division he belongs in, New York is Gamboa. He's been doing a phenomenal job. Meaning is he's been actually using his promoter hat, promoting himself to get himself out there. Is, is that always the good, a good thing? Yes and no, because we ask that of fighters. Get smarter with your money. Start being more aggressive of what your value is. But I think a lot of them are starting to be more aggressive in their value without even showing what their value is. Yeah, I absolutely see a lot of truth in that. But you know what I'd like to see now that I think about it? And they were kind of preparing us for this possibility. But why not get Ortiz in there against Nino? You know, the Argentinian on the undercard. That guy's a savage. You see that fight, Dave? I know you saw it. I saw that fight. He is a savage, but what has Nino really done? I mean, he's only going to be the guy that hasn't proven himself, and that's what I'm saying. So is that what we're going to do is allow Ortiz to do what uh, Crawford has done, is beat guys as supposed to be, or give us some really some here's, real challenges? You know, I want some real challenges, not not not, not so much a one-sided deal. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not a Canelo hater, but I'm also not a Canelo writer. You know, and the mean, what I mean by that is like Canelo's doing something great. He's going after unifying a division never been unified before, 168. But at the same time, look at the oppositions he's faced against. Can you really pick them? Can you really be confident and go, these guys got a chance against Canelo Alvarez? No, not really. See, Virgil Ortiz is in a position where he can actually have real challenges where now we can actually not just have a pay-per-view event. We can have a super pay-per-view event if he's able to pass these real tests here's the thing for me though dave and shout out to shoe shine who just joined us virgil ortiz isn't a champion yet no he's not Still on the road to being a champion so yeah i think i think that that nino would be a good all-action fight uh he's gonna test him um at least in terms of his strength and his resilience again in more of a way than, than Hooker could because Hooker, let's be honest, he's not a sturdy 147-pounder and had never really proven himself as such. Nino's solid. You know, Nino's going to bring it. And 
if Ortiz was a world champion, and I'd be like, yeah, he should be taking on other world champions or former world champions. But mm-hmm. I do like the Thurman fight, but I'm kind of like Outlaw. Like, Outlaw, I, I think he's right. I don't think PBC fighters are going to be jumping at taking on Virgil Ortiz. And Thurman, he's waiting for a big payday fight against one of the guys. At, at, but you know what? I, the thing is that Golden Boy and PBC have played with each other. So it's not like top rank in PBC, you know, where Bob is like, I don't want to do that. Golden Boy has shown and PBC have shown, hey, if the money's right and we can make this happen and we can coexist, let's make it happen. I like what all Outlaw said. I agree with Outlaw. Why not the mean machine who gave fits to Terrence Crawford? That is a great matchup. You know, if no Thurman, no anybody else in the PBC sphere, give them the mean machine. Yeah, I mean, the Mean Machine, it would be a good test. I mean, the Mean Machine gave Terrence Crawford some problems, especially early on. Um, look, I think there are there are a few options out there for him. I mean, there's plenty of competition at 147. We're going to have a guest on shortly who's competed at 147, and I know we're back into the uh, title contention picture. I mean, think about this. Everybody's clamoring for Crawford. And Spence. But let me ask you this, Emil Carr, and everybody in the chat room you're tuning in live right now, or it's going to later, later on tune in on the podcast. What fight really stood out for you, for Crawford, for you to say Crawford is the most dangerous guy in the welterweight division, that he deserves to have the moniker of being the best 147 pounder? Let's think about that for a moment. Right. I, I can't point out any of that. I, we're, we're basically going off of a fantasy that he's going to be the best fighter against Errol Spence Jr. When it could be right in front of us, Virgil Ortiz Jr., who's actually a welterweight. And if you give him the right matches, can actually prove he may be the most dangerous guy to face Errol Spence Jr. in the welterweight division. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't disagree with that. And look, I like Terrence Crawford. You know, he wasn't exactly the nicest when I met him in person, but that, that doesn't really impact on the way I view him as a fighter. Right. Um, He, you know, and he's, he's under no obligation to be Mr. Let's take a photo with everybody. I'm, I'm all about being, you know, super happy and go lucky when I'm there to watch fights. So I, I don't begrudge him that, um, but you're right. I mean, he hasn't faced the kind of the top-tier welterweights. I mean, Kell Brook was a top-tier welterweight. but Was. That was <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it's arguable whether Jeff Horn has ever been a top welterweight. And, you know, um, our, our guest, who's going to come on soon, was also one of his best wins at 147. But... He has yet to take on a champ at 147 with the exception of Jeff Horn. and Right. Who was a very limited guy. Very you limited. Know? We haven't seen Crawford against uh, Danny Garcia, uh, Keith Thurman, uh, Sean Porter. I mean, let's think about it. Whether it's his fault or PBC's fault, uh, the, we fact, the facts are the facts. This is who he has not faced yet. You're Dennis Ugas. Right. 
You know, I wouldn't be so opposed of like going for Ortiz and Crawford. And, I, and again, I'll tell you why, because I don't think Crawford is that proven at well at the welterweight division, especially the struggle that we've seen. We've seen him in in the 147 division. Think about this. Ortiz may be a much more live dog than some people would suggest, okay, versus him going in against Errol Spence. I would take a back step there and say, I don't think he's ready for Errol Spence Jr., to be honest. But I do think that he's very, very competitive against a Terrence Crawford. So what does that say about Terrence Crawford? Yeah. I mean, look, Terrence Crawford is probably in a more desperate position than anyone right now to get a big fight at 147 pounds because, you know, he's got some time remaining on his top rank contract. And top rank has proven that they're either unable or unwilling to get him the big fights at 147 pounds. And that includes offering Sean Porter essentially less money uh, to face Crawford than Sean Porter earned to face uh, Formella. Absolutely. And big shout out to Blood Boxing, Retro Boxing and Documentaries, uh, Shushan Boxing, Nado Kepaso Run, PMC, DG. You're absolutely right. If Virgil were to beat Bud, everyone is going to say that Bud was never a true welter. He never fought anyone. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, look, the only guy that I honestly can say is a dangerous foe for anybody, and Errol Spence can attest to this, is Sean Porter. Whether you like his style or not, it's effective. Whether you like the, his commentary or not, guess what? He has the right to say certain things when he's commentating a fight because he's done it all. He's actually fought everybody on the list of the list of who you need to face in the wall to be vision. The only one that's not there yet is Virgil Ortiz Jr. And if I'm golden boy and senior of Ortiz, I would say he's not for you at the moment. You're still young. We still need to build. We still need to place the bricks in the right spots so that you have a barrier that's unbreakable in the welterweight division. I, you know, that's why it gets kind of frustrated up when I hear Terrence Crawford's the best. This, this, he's this and he's that. He's this and that. There's too, too much. There's too much clay put onto a guy that hasn't done enough in a division that's so welcoming because it was so shallow when he entered that division. So I've got a name for you, David, and we saw him on the zone recently. What about David Avenician, who just stopped uh, Josh Kelly? That is a good name. He's a rugged guy. He's a veteran guy. Uh, I would love to see Ortiz go in there with him, you know. I'd like to see Crawford get in there with him. I mean, these are real guys that are real tests, okay? They're going to come to fight. They don't really go along with the program, which is like, hey, look, I'm here to get a paycheck. Uh, these are guys that want to show up and show out. That's why with Hooker, Texas, you got to do better. You were booing a guy that showed up and was trying to show out. He just had a guy that was four times more talented in front of him and that was figuring out the puzzle of Maurice Hooker Jr. I mean, of Maurice Hooker. I've got, another, I've got another name for you. Hmm. What about Mikey Garcia? He's a free agent, right? I don't want to see Mike. I mean, Ortiz wouldn't fight Mikey Garcia. They're still in the same camp. 
You know, but I mean, you know, <laughs> but you know, here's the thing: is Mikey, Mikey to me is a tweener, welterweight. Yeah. yeah, that's why if Mikey Garcia Manny Pacquiao, if they, if it happens, which there's a lot of talks about that happening, I mean, you got to favor Manny. My, yeah, Mikey's dangerous. He's got a jab, but let's be honest: he's no welterweight. The guy doesn't belong. He belongs at 135. I That's his a, best. Got another name for you, right? This is like an old boxing after dark kind of uh, uh, matchup. Ready for it? I'm ready for it. What do you got? Virgil Ortiz mm-hmm. versus Boots Ennis. Ooh, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I, knew I would. That one. I knew you like that one. That is yeah. a fight right there. That's that. Takes me back to when I was in high school watching Boxing After Dark on the weekends. I don't think. Listen, if if let's just let's play let's play let's play trainer. Let's do that for a minute, okay? Which uh, Jose Benavides just texted me. He's going to be like five to ten minutes late, which is perfectly okay. fine because we still got some stuff here to uh, to hand wrap here on uh, leaving the ring. Don't forget to jab the like button and uppercut the notification bell. Don't leave it up to the judges because they won't notify you when we're on live here on leaving the ring. The thing with, with with Boots is that, look, Boots is a strong, strong guy. But we don't know enough about Boots. And as a trainer, that's where I, even though they know each other in the amateur, but the amateur is different. Throw that out the window, okay? Throw that out the door because, see, when a, when a guy leaves the amateur rankings, what they're doing now is sitting on the punches more. They're working on long-distance run, the marathon run, which Ortiz is, okay? He's a marathon runner. With Boots, though, we don't know that because nobody's kind of drug him into that area yet. We don't know whether or not he's just going to – if he just has high performance in the shallow uh, part of the water, can he swim that deep? Why would I – if I'm chasing the bigger guys and I'm chasing the bigger names, if my fighter's doing all of that, why would I, Amilcar, want to find out whether this man would sink or swim, especially knowing he's got a big punch at that division? I would steer away. I would wait to see with boots. You know, even though as fight fans, as thirsty ghouls that we are, yes, sign me up for that fight next week. Yeah, man. I'm absolutely. I just sign up for that. I not a pay per view fight because they're not mainstream names, but I'd be just as excited about that fight as almost any other fight in boxing right now. Mm. Because you're gonna have so many questions answered in the fight, right? I mean, it's two guys who are on the track to be like the next two premier welterweights or like the next generation. Right, the next man up, I think it would be great. But then the way boxing is, they'd probably save it, right? For something, uh, you know, like Shushan Boxing Day for a weight man who's uh, cock blocking right now on leaving the ring. He's saying uh, those two may be the next Crawford and Spence scenario. No shit, dude. You're absolutely right about that. It might, it might. Let's hope not. But the way things are looking in boxing, every fighter has a value another name soon, they have a value as soon as they pass 500 uh followers on either their twitter facebook or tiktok they're like oh shit 500 
That mean that means five hundred thousand dollars is what you should be paying me in order for me to fight this guy. Ooh, a thousand? That's a hundred million for me. You should be paying me before I fight this guy. Uh, somebody mentioned Jesse Vargas earlier on. I'm not as interested in that, but I'll tell you who I would be interested in seeing. Hey, so I so Jose just said he clicked the link. Can you check the back uh, backstage? See if he's uh, on. I'm here. I don't. I don't see him. Um, let me. I'll, I'll post the link to you again, Dave, and okay. and you. I'll put it in our chat, and you can send it. Send it to him again. It's in the chat right there. Uh, but the Riverside Rocky. Let's give him a last. Riverside Rocky, baby. Josecito Lopez. Yeah, dude. Lopez. I think that is a big fight right there at one forty-seven. And we are good to go. We've got a very special guest with us right now, Jose Benavides Jr. Que paso, que paso, Jose? Hey, man, thanks for coming through, bro. I really appreciate you joining us here on Leader. It's been a long time, man, since we've spoken to each yeah. other. It's, no, it's been a while. No, and thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me on the show. But yeah, it's been a while, but uh, I'm back. I'm back now. And a lot of people, you know, thought I retired. I don't know what they thought. You know, everyone thinks their own thoughts, but I was just taking them off. I was taking a little break. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys know I had, you know, I just had my daughter. So spending some time with Congratulations, her. Congratulations, man. Um, so let me, let me ask you, is it, did it make you a change, man? Because I've always said this. Having kids either make you or they break you. So, you know, what do you think? Oh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. You know, that, that's a, the biggest blessing I've had in my life, you know, and it just makes me think different. You know, I, I'm not, you know, it's all about my family now. It just motivates me more and, you know, I couldn't be any happier. You know, I remember one time I was talking to your dad and, and I think it was your dad. or Maybe it might have been your brother and your, bro and your brother David had said, look, Jose is a street guy. You know, um, he's there's no in between. Either you're going to love him or you're not. Do you think having a, having a child, your daughter and all that, did that change you a bit more? Did it make you more likable or did it make you more tough towards other folks? No, I mean, you know, there's a, there's, everyone has a different meaning between the street and all that. You know, to me, being in the street, it's like, you know, everyone's young. They go through what they do. You know, all that shit to me is stupid. Now, you know, I just, it, having my, my daughter, you know, made me a better person, made me realize that none of that shit matters. You know, it's all about my family. And it, it just made me, you know, grow up. Right. Well, let me ask you this, because, I mean, when when these reports were coming out of you being a street kid, you know, there was a lot of folks who were like, how, how could this Vato be a street guy if he basically has had the he has the world? You signed with Top Rank at a very young age. You you were you were you were signed to a very lucrative deal. How could you not see that? Was that because, no, 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 like you said, maturity? No, I got you. No, I got you on that. You know, like I said, everyone has their own opinions on being street, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not that, you know, I, I've worked my ass off since I was a little kid, ever since I was six years old in the gym with my dad. It's just that, I mean, I did not, not, not necessarily saying that I went and did all kinds of, you know, dumb shit or whatever, just, you know, being around people that I shouldn't have been around, you know, and pretty much not taking shit from anyone because, you know, the difference between me and David is you see, he, he, he doesn't really, he's more of a conservative guy. He doesn't, he's uh, more quiet with me. I don't, you talk shit to me, I'm going to talk shit back, you know, so right. I, I'm more out there, more open. I mean, it just, um, it's just, you know, I don't see the, the no reason for me to be trying to fight people or all that because back then, dude, I was younger, you know, people would look at me some certain type of way and I'm not going to stay quiet. 
You know, I'm right. not gonna stay quiet, but there's no point in all that. You know, you could talk shit to me all you want. Now you could whatever you want to do as long as, as long as I don't feel like I'm in danger, my life, my family's in danger, then there's no reason for me to, you know, try to act tough and all that. You, you know, I always I find that crazy because like if somebody's talking shit like what they did not they don't know you're a fighter you know what I mean like if you remember that scene with uh Chris Tucker and Tebow when he, when homeboy tells him to shut up that'd be like me with you if you told me to shut up and then you left I'm like hey he told me to shut up but you know I started talking yeah, after he left <laughs> yeah no and, and dude with, with me it's like I, I I joke around a lot dude I, I I'm always messing around you know just, that's my personality you know. Right. And I mean, uh, for me, like talking shit to other people and all that in the streets, it's not. I mean, unless you're my friend or whatever, I'd be fucking around with you. But all that, nah, I wish everyone the best of luck in life. You know, I don't look down on anyone. To me, everyone's the same. Money doesn't mean anything. You know, you can have a million dollars today, you lose it all tomorrow. It don't mean shit, you know. So being a right. good person is what, what I'm about. You know, someone shows me respect, and I'm going to show them respect too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me introduce my uh, co host, Milkar. Milkar? Yeah, how's it going, Jose? Thank you so much for joining us, and congrats on your family, your growing family. I saw you with the the wedding band. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, you know, yo, you. Life, life, you know, I'm I'm happy where I'm at right now. I'm happy. I'm happy with my family. You know, they they motivate me. You know, when you're young, you're out there. You know, trying to be, uh, try to get out every girl, be cool and all that. But no, it's it's all about my family. You now, you know, all that shit doesn't matter to me. I'm happy, and uh, I'm just I just love spending time with them. Absolutely. Now, I had huge uh, expectations. I've been a fan of yours for a while going into the fight, the last fight we saw uh, that you had with Crawford. Um, you clearly weren't 100% for that fight. You could tell, at least I could and David or could, yeah. that you had issues with, with your leg. Um, can you talk about kind of the adversity you faced in, in your career and how that's going to help you as you come back on this comeback trail? No, well, the thing is, I, I was trying, I've been trying to fight Crawford, you know, even before I was injured, but I mean, it didn't happen, you know, and what happened, happened, you know, I got shot and I'm actually not even supposed to be walking. The doctor said I was in, if I walked, it's going to take two to three years and I was never going to box again. But I mean, I just use that as motivation. You know, I, I can't take nothing from, you know, he was a better fighter than me that night, but I gave him a run for his money and I'm going to fucking want to run it back. He, I was <laughs> no, he was talking all that shit, saying that I was a no one, this, this, and that. It took him twelve rounds to beat me. He fights all these other guys that are world champions. He stops him like nothing. But with me, he was running. So if he wants to run it back, and I know, I know he's gonna see this. Stop being a bitch and run it back. There you go. There you go. And like, like you said, you took him twelve rounds. You were there the whole fight. You were touching him up, and you clearly weren't a hundred percent. So. I got to give you all the credit in the world, man. That was a really, really gutsy uh, performance that night. Yeah, and the way I see it, dude, I, I went in there. My my leg was already injured the third round. I messed up my mm -hmm. hand. But, I mean, it's boxing. You know, you have to – you can't think of all my your injuries. And I just have to I'm, – I'm a warrior, and I'm never going to quit in the ring. Shit, you, if, if a motherfucker is going to beat me, better take me out. And I, I'd rather die in the ring than quit, you know. And it's just, I mean, you have to, you, you have to work with what you got. But, I mean uh, – I, there's there's some things now that I've been seeing you know, that I could uh, hopefully get my leg a little better, but I mean I'm 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 back and I'm shit. I'm gonna make a bang. I want everyone at 147. And like so, I said, and like I said, if Crawford wants to run it back, let's run it back. Stop being a bitch. So is your leg is it 100 percent or there's still issues that you have to like? I mean my leg my my leg is never gonna be 100 percent. You know, 
I have um, I have metal on my legs. I have rods, but I'm not gonna let that get to me. You know, there's 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 a lot of things I could do that would be different. You know, for me to not uh, feel that pain, or you know, to, for me to work, you know, uh, better training on the leg, or you know, there's a lot of things I could do. Which uh, during my time off, you know, I was looking at a lot of stuff, you know, that I, that I could do to uh, better my leg, and you know, that's what we're gonna do. We're back, we're back, and we're gonna make a bang. Right. Oh. You know, now I know that you know Crawford. You're mentioning Crawford and stuff. Um, but since he doesn't even have anybody right now, it doesn't look like he said, look, he goes, I'm looking at the Spence fight as past history. And yeah. Crawford, too, is a street guy. I mean, the guy, you know what I mean? If, he, if you if you approach him the wrong way, he's going to come at you. Yeah, you, you know, know, and you know who to do it with, though. You know yeah. who to do it with, though. But, I mean, that, that Crawford fight's not going to happen, dude. Uh, I mean, there's I, I doubt it. I mean, unless, you know, it, it, it's on him if he wants to make it, you know. But his excuse was, dude, that motherfucker was all in my DMs, like telling me like he still can't get over, it, dude. And I was like, you know what, all this shit talking you're doing, let's just run it back. But I mean, it is what I mean, it why, is. Why not? It went twelve rounds and it was competitive. Exactly, it was like, a really I mean, good fight. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is what it is. You can, I mean, everyone has their sides, their story. I mean, I didn't feel a punch, you know. Yeah, he dropped me, but you could clearly see that my leg was hurt. But like I said, we get a rematch, and I guarantee you that rematch, he won't beat me. But, I mean, it's up to him. And honestly, I'm not even worried about him no more, you know. It is what it is. Right. You know, there's a lot of other fighters out there. So what I got to do is, you know, get back in the gym how I've been doing and just shit, taking everyone down. So are you going to – the plan is to stay at 147? Is that the plan? Yeah, yeah. Staying at 147, I, I might go up to 54, but I just – I want to focus on 47 right now for another year or two, then probably go up. Cool. Bueno, tienes fans aquí en el chat y tienen preguntas. First, we've got uh, Nando. He's asking, are you still signed with Top Rank, Jose? Yeah, I'm still with Top Rank. I'm still with Top Rank right now. Cool. And then I've got another question from Nando. Um, he's asking who, sorry, what date are you targeting for your for your next? Uh, we're looking around maybe May, May or June. Okay. Well, soon, soon. And uh, I had one more um, from DG. He says he's hoping to see you back in the ring soon. Question, are you still training during your free time? If so, are you sparring? You know, I have, dude, I've been out for, for a year. I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't doing shit. I was, you know, just staying, you know, at home, you know, raising my daughter, watching her. I didn't want to miss her first steps. I don't want to miss her first little word, you know, her first Christmas. But you know, now she she turned a year old now, dude, and she's she's another she's she's gonna get in the ring too. She's gonna box too. But yeah, no, I'm actually right now I'm I'm working. I'm I'm back in the I'm back at the gym working. You know, Virgil Ortiz Jr., who just fought this past Saturday on the zone against Maurice Hooker. Let me ask you, what's your assessment of of, of Ortiz? Oh, he's good, dude. He's he's good. He's uh he comes to bang and uh, and he 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 bangs. You know, he's a uh, he's a uh, he's good. I think in my eyes, you know, he's good. And he's gonna get very far. Would is that a guy that you would want to possibly get in with as well? I'll fight whoever. I'll fight whoever at 47. Whoever wants to fight me, I'm not ducking or dodging anyone. Anybody could get it. We've got uh, sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I have my question right after. You got a couple fans here from the UK with us here uh tonight as well, Jose. Uh the first one, my man undefeated, is asking. Do you have any plans to fight out of the UK? Is that something that might interest you? And I'll fight wherever. I'll fight wherever. You know, wherever they, they, they want to give me a fight, I'll fight wherever. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind fighting the UK. There you go. And my man London Left Hook says he wouldn't mind seeing a rematch with Crawford as nobody else wants to fight him and you're both with top break. So, yeah, you've, you've got some fans out there that wouldn't mind 
see yeah. them get back with uh, with Terrence Crawford. I would love to see that fight. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, exactly. Fight whoever, like I said, I'll fight whoever, whenever. I mean, I don't duck or dodge anyone. I train to win, and that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna come back when they take everyone out. Hey, I've always wondered because you know what, man, having siblings and then you guys. I mean, you guys are a fight family. First off, you know, um, who betters between you and David? Because we know David's super talented. But I mean, let's be honest. When you signed on, everybody was like, "Oh shit, this kid is gonna be the major factor." I know for a fact, either sparring or you guys had your squabble because you're siblings. Who's got the best of each other? I mean, uh, that's something you'd have to watch. You know, that's something <laughs> I give David the better work than he's ever gotten. So, but I mean, it's, 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 it's something, you know, different because, you know, I, we've been boxing each other our whole life. So I kind of know what he's going to do and he's a little brother. So he fucking, you know, tries to take me out, but I mean, it, it's, it's good. It's competitive. Has it has the tables changed in any way? Like I, I'm pretty sure because he's a little brother. You've told him, hey, you know, you know, bro, you gotta you gotta do this. You gotta fix your footwork here and do this and that. Have the tables kind of turned a little bit where he tells you some, like gives you some. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that I know that he doesn't know. You know, there's a lot of things that he knows that I don't know. So I mean, ever since we were we we're, we were young, you know, if if I if he sees something you know, that that I can do better, he's gonna tell me, and it's uh, vice versa, you know. I got mad respect for you because. David's a big kid, and when the beef came up about Caleb Plant, oh yeah, bro, you were you were in the mix, like you were right there defending your little brother, even yeah. though he ain't that little. Man. Yeah, he, he, I mean, David, uh, he's not my little brother. He, he's always gonna be my little brother. You know, he's bigger right. than me. But I mean, the thing is with, with with me is uh, like I said, David doesn't really like you know, he just stays quiet. But dude, Plant talks a lot of damn shit, dude, and he tries to act all tough, dude. He's a pussy. You should you should ask him what he what happened the next day the day the day after that he's over here asking me sorry and all that shit and then the next day goes and talks he talks a lot of shit on the internet bro but in person right. I mean and if my brother fights him I guarantee it's not gonna last more than six rounds so he better not even think about that fight with Dave and if he does good luck he's gonna lose that belt that's a fight that I, I definitely want to see but you know what I want to ask you is that he threw a punch at you and I've always wondered did it land did it graze you or he nothing threw a, he, he threw a little bitch shot when I was turning around and it didn't hit me it was like a little slap but when it was when his trainer was getting it he was out on the, on the side and acting like a little girl you know he didn't even protect his trainer but like I said I mean it is what it is I mean I'm not over here trying to fight people and all that shit but he just talks a lot of shit dude he talks a lot right I mean the rivalry is real yeah let no. me ask you if he was to fight your brother, it, it, is that a way that it would finally, like, uh, I mean, the, 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 each other? The thing with us is, like, dude, everyone talks shit, you know? Right. This motherfucker just goes at and goes, there's to a point where I do, just shut shut up already, you know? But, I mean, I I highly doubt he's going to fight my brother. Right. If he does. I'm pretty sure he's still going to talk shit afterwards. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's whatever with him. Dude. I'm not even worried about him. What about Charlo? You think that Charlo will eventually fight your brother or not? Charlo's scared too. He's scared to all those fucking the, uh, messages he said and all that. If he was really about it, you know, he would have fought my brother, you know. But I mean, say it is what it is, you know. People, people talk. Look, there's a difference between me and other people. People talk, but they don't walk the walk. Shit, I talk shit, but I will walk the walk. So if I'm talking shit to someone and I'm calling them, I'm not going to be bullshitting, saying putting all these COVID restrictions on and all this shit for what? Like, dude. You're gonna fight them, fight them. So stop fucking, you know, making excuses. Just in case any of the plant, uh, the fans out there need proof as to why Caleb Plant would never be able to hit you, I've got uh, 
something lined up right here that they can all check out real quick. Here we go. And then I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you about this. Some of the best reflexes I've ever seen coming up right here. Oh, look at that. Look at that head movement, man. What head movement? Let's go look at that one more time. <laughs> that was a good one, though. That was a slick one. That was really- <laughs> that was slick. You know, I you know, so I know you keep saying big news are coming up, bro. And I was hoping we can get that big news here on Leaving the Ring. What is the big news? I mean, we know this I, the coming. I, I don't want to say too much, but uh, just just you know, you know, stay uh. Stay with your eyes open, ears open, because something big is coming. And I don't want to talk about it. it it'll come soon. So you guys will can, can we make some assumptions? And and you tell us whether we're warm, hot, or really cold. You know, I don't want to say too much. I'll leave it at that. Because if <laughs> I'm saying a little something, then I, I'm going to let everyone, you know, all the beans. So, you know. Okay. I'm just going to throw this out there, okay? And I'm not saying I've heard this, but somebody just reminded me of something that I witnessed a long time ago when you were training at the wild card, you got in with Manny Pacquiao. Could that be a name? Oh, no, no, no. No, it's not that one. Shit, if, if you want to fight, I'll fight him too, but no, it's not that one. Whoa. You know, you know, I would have loved to have seen you stay at 140, and the reason why, because you have Jose Ramirez, you have Joss Taylor. I mean, man, those are great fights there, too, for you at 140. Could you make 140 again or no? Honestly, I mean, I could make it, bro, but there's no point in me because I'm not going to feel strong. Dude, I'm, 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 almost, I'm almost 6'1". Imagine I'm here at 140. If I look skinny at 147, those right. six pounds, those seven pounds, they, make, they do make a big difference. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so, honestly. No, that's an honest answer. And we just saw yeah. your physique there at the, the weigh-in for your last fight. I mean, I couldn't imagine you uh, losing another seven. Dude, I, dude, I already look skinny as it is. I, I was watching my videos yesterday. I'm like, damn, dude, I look skinny. Yeah, myself right now, you know, I, I get a little weight right now, you know, but it, I'll lose it quick, and I'm not even that not that heavy, so. Yeah. Absolutely, man, absolutely, bro. I really appreciate you coming through. You no, know, you've always you been a pleasure. No, yeah. thank you. Bro. I appreciate I appreciate the support. No, I I appreciate you guys taking the time, inviting me, and showing all my fans. You know, everyone that's asking for me. You know, I'm gonna be back. I'm I'm coming back real soon. Like I said, it's gonna be a bang. So thank you guys, and I appreciate everyone, everyone out there, everyone that shows love. Absolutely, bro. Thank you so much. Thank you you so much for joining us. And hopefully we'll have you back when you do have your announcement. Exactly. For sure, for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care, brother. Jose Benavides Jr. staying rolling and cut here on Leaving the Ring. Uh, Man, it was a great play. I was hoping to get him to say what was the big news, but they are keeping at a very big hush-hush because even his dad gave me the same – you know, speaks like, no, 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 no. Look, look, you're going to see it. It, it. We're working on something really, really big, but yeah, man, thanks for coming through. I think it was great to see him back and to see how lively he is. And also uh, being a family man, you know, I think that was the biggest question for a lot of fans here at Mel Car was to find out whether or not, has he changed his ways being married and have a kid? I've always said this either makes you or breaks you. It looks like it made him. It grounded this young man to kind of now focus on something that he's had since the age of 18, signing with top rank, as in he's got a really good opportunity of taking advantage of. Yeah, he absolutely does. And look, you got to give him all the credit in the world for stepping up against Terrence Crawford, one of the most talented fighters in the sport. 
like he said, he took him to limits that very few others have taken Terrence Crawford to, including former world champs like Kel Brook. Um, so, yeah, I mean, big up to him. I, I wish him all the success when he comes back. Friend of the show. Uh, comes from a great family. Uh, I'd really love to have his father on with us again. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. I know you had him on on a special edition of Leaving in the Ring when he was there at the gym. Um, but one of the great father trainers in the sport, you know, I'm also very interested in hearing more from uh, uh, Papa Fundora and um, Brandon Lee's dad, too, is someone I'd like to have on. We should do like a father show at some point. You know, what? that's a good idea. Yeah, especially we've had Brandon Lee on Leaving the Ring. Uh, pretty sure we can get him back on. But we should ask the dads to come through, you know. Um, you know, it looks like it's been an error for the fathers, to tell you the truth, you know, which was kind of a thing that most people used to frown on about when you would you when you would find out, oh, your dad still trains you? Mm, I'm not sure about that. There's too, too, there's too much emotions invested that the right calls were not going to be made, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it can go either way sometimes with the fathers. You know, a lot of people are blaming uh, Josh Warrington's dad for keeping him in that fight a little longer than than possibly he should have. So, you know, it, it, it can go it can go different ways. So we're already getting some some feedback on that one. Um, London left looks like in the idea of a, of a father's uh, convo. So we should definitely uh, think about doing that. You, you know, like you said, it's it's one of those that could work and it sometimes won't work. You know, Warrington is one of those where the whole team should have saw. I mean, look, when you got a guy, I, I think what happens, and, and, and this is not just with fathers, but any trainer. When you're with a guy and he's been part of your life in camp for so many years, you know – the limitations or how much to push them. Sometimes, though, you can kind of get starstruck. I, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but you can get stumped, meaning that you're in a disbelief of what's happening in front of you. Because to be honest, a lot of the real tough moments in a fighter's career really are in the gym, smokers, sparring. You know, that's where you iron out all these kinks so that if you do get in trouble, you know how to respond. You know how to react. You know the action that needs to be done next. But sometimes it just doesn't play out like that, that you end up like for the very first time you're witnessing something you've never, ever have ever seen again. I'm sorry, I got, I'm getting texts like crazy about yeah. that interview. Right. Oh, awesome. And look, phone lines are open. If anyone's out there and you want to call in, you can call in to 347-460-1773. 347-460-1773. And you know what? I'm also going to drop the uh, link to anybody that might want to join us on video in HD. And to all our podcast listeners out there, check us out live whenever you can on YouTube, Monday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. To everyone on YouTube, maybe you tuned in late, maybe you don't have time to watch the full show today, you can check us out on all of the major podcast for, uh, formats, whether it's iTunes or um, 
pretty much anywhere else. So we've got area code uh, 509 on live with us now. Area code 509, you're live with us. Uh, One second. Yeah, we should. Hello, you there? Don't know what happened to him. He dropped off. I can. uh, Ooh, not TKO'd on leaving the ring. I think I might have TKO'd him, but we'll see if we can get him back. (laughs) Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. Get barely hear him. He sounds like a gerbil right now in a canal, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> and we lost a, a milk car right now. I can't hear a milk car either. Uh, milk car, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, we couldn't hear you. All right, um, so if you are, uh, like I said, wanting to check us out, please do leave us a review on iTunes and all the other podcast platforms and uh, let us know what you think. Um, even if it's feedback for a show, just let us know. Hopefully you want to give us a five-star review out there. We'd very much appreciate it. You know, London uh, left hook uh, combo over the day. Puts Enzo Calzaghi was fascinating. Character sadly passed away. Now there's a lots of footage on YouTube. You know, he was a really phenomenal trainer. Um, you want to talk about analyzing and putting in the work to train his son, Joe Kawasaki, kept him undefeated. And, you know, in the game of boxing, there's ways to maneuver your guys. I thought, I, I used to tell Freddie Roach years ago, uh, when I used to go to the wild card and interview him, I used to, I, I told him straight up in his face in an interview, I think that he, I thought that he was one of the best matchmakers in the game. And at that time, I didn't hear anybody mention a trainer or, or, Anybody that was not part of the, the side of boxing business being told that. And uh, Freddie was like, well, you have to, you have to kind of be uh, a great matchmaker. And Enzo was a good matchmaker for his son and how to maneuver him and, and know exactly what matches were perfect for him at the moment, you know. Uh, but they also were willing to try, uh, you know, to, to – Litify their 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 spot as one being one of the best 168. Meaning when they fought Jeff had, uh, left hook Lacey, Absolutely. that was a great matchup because everybody thought that Jeff was going to go win there and just uh, blow out Joe Calzaghe because they called him Slappy Joe. Even and that didn't happen. Even a lot of the UK fans didn't give him all the respect. I do have area code five one zero nine on live with us now again five zero nine. Yeah, yeah. All right, perfect. Sorry about that earlier, but we got you on now, brother. Who's speaking? Uh, 92. Oh, AK, a 92 AK. 92, what's, up, brother? what's up, guys? Good, good. What's on your mind, bro? I was about to ask. You guys had a benefit, bro. It was pretty cool. Thank you. Glad you enjoyed it. Well, what do you think of Benavides? You see good things in his future or what? I hope so. I mean, like I said, like I said, it's, it's tough out in a, for 147s and um, you know, at ESPN. But maybe you can get like Green Machine or um, or maybe Ooh, that'd be a good fight. Loser. Yeah, or the winner of loser of uh, 
Taylor and Ramirez. Maybe when they both go up to 147. You know, I think they want to fight Bud, so he's a common opponent of uh, from Bud. So maybe they want to one of them. One of them might want to look good against Benavides. So you got some fights right there. I I would love to see that, you know, and I think that's where, you know, being that he's been out of the game for for some time. I mean, the last time we saw him was against uh, Bud Crawford, and he gave Bud all he can uh, run with. He's kind of like I would. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure he would agree with this if we had him on. He's in the mercy of who could he face next. He's gonna have to go with the flow what Top Rank wants to do with his career. Right. Yeah, because we don't know how good he, like, we don't know, like, what his potential is, you know, because he did give Bud a good fight, but I, I can't really think of a big win that he has. Right. No, the expectations have been high on him, but it's never, he ne he has never, like, peaked it. Mature. For us to, yeah, yeah, you know, for us to go like, oh, like I said, I've seen him, I saw him spar against Emil Carr, I mean, uh, 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 Amir Khan, not Emil, uh, Emil Carr, sorry about that. Uh Amir Khan, uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao, and and there's, I mean, there's obvious talent, talent, and that's why you see with his brother, his younger brother David, and even his other brother, um, but he's he's never had that solidified win where we're like, yeah, this is why Top Rank signed him at such a young age and was so for that amount of money, you know, they offered him. We, we haven't seen that. I mean, it was close with the Crawford fight, but not the win. Yeah, uh, yeah. At ESPN, I don't see any names, but him versus you know, I want to see him test versus the TBC guys. You know, that'll be there's some there's really like him versus Jose Cinco Lopez at one forty seven. All right, well, that'd be a good fight. Okay. Yeah, that that'd be a fun fight. Hey, see, I'm not crazy, David. I know you're not. Check out the comment on the screen. Would you mind reading that, please, David? I'd love to see Benavides and Broner dead serious. No, see, I wouldn't mind seeing that. That I wouldn't mind. But Ortiz and Broner, no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, dude, fair enough, fair and, enough. And Broner, the press conference. I, I, I like the press conference. I like when they talk to each other. That's what I'd watch. Dude, I mean, Broner and Benavides in a press conference, oh, my God. You know, I, I, I mean – but you have to edge it with Broner because he's just a, he's one of those guys that talk shit, but it's clever in the shit that he says. It's funny. He's funny. Oh he's yeah, very he's very funny. Good. He's very funny. Hey, but hey, but what about uh Virgil Like about this, what happened this week this weekend? Dude, he's a badass. Oh, he is serious badass. Yeah, I mean he he just beat Hooker up, man. He really did. He God, he. Man. He was stronger than them. He hit harder than them. He beat him to the punch on most occasions. Um, and I was saying earlier, I don't know if you were on, but I don't think that ha, 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 was helping Hooker too much because he was Ortiz was able to time that and and figure it out. Yeah, we kind of saw like the last the last two rounds of the fight. We saw like the, the KOs coming right. Absolutely. Yeah, those body shots actually was the ones that were telling us that KO was pretty much coming, which I thought was a a great move in Ortiz. It also shows you that Ortiz pays attention to the the body language of the fighter he's fighting, you know, um, which a lot of fighters normally don't. They just pay they're, they're so focused on the head that they're not looking at the overall 
of what's in front of him. And we saw that at Ortiz on Saturday. He looks at the overall of what's in front of him. Oh, yeah. And, dude, I love his attitude, man. Like, I love, I love like, like the, the post-interview. Like, his answers were, like, awesome. Like, when they said, um, when they said, are you ready for a bud? He, he said, I don't know if I'm not. Or he said something like, I don't know if I am, but I want to fight anyway. Like, right. I, I, like, yeah. Because, like, a lot of times, we're, like, when Ryan Garcia got the win or um, some other young prospect, they're like, oh, is he ready? And, like, we're, and we're always debating, like, is he ready so you get more fights? And he's like, yo, I don't care if I'm ready or not. Like, give me the fight. Yeah, he's, uh, he's realistic. That's why. And I think that's what's refreshing to a lot of us fight fans. You know, even though I saw a lot of fight fans on social media going, oh, he'll get knocked out. He'll do this. It's like, look. I mean, we're now in an era where we're literally trying to make our fighters not fight the best or the the the, the most riskiest fights to find out whether or not they have the goods. Can we stop that? I mean, I, I don't tune in to, to, to fights to see easy wins or predictable wins. I tune in to watch fights that are competitive. That's what I'm looking for. Competi- and this last past two weeks has been a really good refresh a throwback of what the HBO After Dark was, you know, uh, of fights of what made me love. So, David, yeah, even what you just said, that I can only imagine that you will not be watching Andy Ruiz Jr. take on Chris Ariola, right? No, I will watch that fight. Let's be honest, man. <laughs> you know, look, I think that I think that fight, Chris always comes to fight. Is he over the hill? Yeah, he's over the hill. He's about maybe three buffets past what he should be doing right now in the sport. But there's you can't take nothing away from Chris. The kid comes to fight. You know, whether it's going to be four or six rounds, it's going to be four or six rounds of some real leather being traded. The difference is, is that as a human, I wouldn't want to see Chris in there because he could possibly get really physically and mentally hurt by Andy Ruiz. They're familiar with each other, though. Let's not forget that. These guys have crossed each other in the circuit of L.A., Southern California, and they've also they've sparred each other. But you got to admit, one guy is out is way, way out the door where one guy is at his peak and realizes he's finally at his peak and may possibly be at the right camp that he needs to be in order to really glorify who he really is. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's not, just the, not just the gyms. I'm pretty sure they cross paths at local, your local taco trucks, at the buffets, all you can eat. They've, they've crossed paths before. <laughs> I'm, trying to, hey, hey, I'm trying to find one of those all you can eat taco trucks, man. Let me know when there's one open so I can head over there, bro. <laughs> That's at the, uh, at the, Places that have those women that you eat sushi off of? Didn't Andy oh. Ruiz do that at the birthday party? And it was 92 AKU, mi hermano. You got any last thoughts? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, my last thought is I hope boxing starts uh, start putting good fights like the Chocolatito uh, Estrada because even this Virgil Ortiz fight was a good fight, but the odds-wise, odds it was like he was like a minus, like 2,000 favorite. Mm-hmm. And that's what fans are, boxing fans, I think, or just people that lost interest, they're tired of mismatches. And that's all the boxing, 90% of boxing is. We get excited for Estrada and, and Chocolatito because that was, like, I think Chocolatito was a underdog, like, plus 200. Or, right. He was a close, close fight, too. But 
all these fights, like my, I'll tell my friends, and they they just look at the odds, and they're like, you look at the UFC, and it's fight after fight, it's like fifty fifty, and boxing. I didn't check the I didn't check the release. Oh, I gotta check the other one, but dude, we're just tired of mismatches. That's all boxing is. Just put your A star fighter versus a mismatch. Mismatch. Yeah, a lot of the times, uh, that's exactly what it is, unfortunately. But we do have some uh, pretty even matchups coming up that uh, we're going to talk about. One of them is going to be the uh, fight taking place this weekend between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin. Actually, I should say Povetkin-White because Povetkin won last time, so his name should go first, on the Rock of Gibraltar. So I think that one's... That one's going to be pretty good. Um, and and he, you want to lay down your prediction on that now? Uh, no, I'm not. I don't really know that much about. Uh, I know you got knocked out the last fight, but I'm not really interested. I probably won't watch it. I think because there's a UFC card, and I'm kind of a UFC head. Fair enough. But uh, I'll probably watch it the highlights. There you go. All right, well, 92 AKU, thank you for your call, my brother. Please call back anytime. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, your your buddy Arthur, uh, bet of you fought on uh, at noon uh, Pacific time on yep. ESPN Plus. Yeah, three uh, people out here. And Adam Beams uh, gave, like I said, really tough kid. Remember that we said that on last Monday show. Really tough kid. Expected to give him rounds, not as many as we thought that he was going to give, but he did. He put up a huge effort. But let me ask you, after watching that fight, is the Canelo Alvarez versus Bedeview far-fetched, or do you think it's closer to reality? Well, I said this on the roundtable before the fight on Saturday. I I think that that's a winnable fight for Canelo, and I still think it's a winnable fight for Canelo. I don't want to read too much into it because, you know, he had tested positive for COVID, right? Um you know, it's not clear how people fully recover from that in a short period of time. Um, I remember I suspected I had caught COVID last summer and I had to stop running. Like, I was always out of breath. I was having to use my inhaler for the first time since I was like a teenager. It got really, really bad. So I, I don't I don't know. Um, I never actually got tested to confirm it, but I suspected I had it. And right. I can't imagine it being easy for, for an elite athlete. Uh, plus, there's a ring acti- ring inactivity. You have to shake off some rust. But the thing is, Canelo does a lot of things in there that a lot of Batervian opponents do not do. Um, I'm thinking about some of the fights like Callum Johnson. I'm thinking about this most recent fight. He's got more movement, head movement, way more feints. He works the ring a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, his defensive skills are much better. He doesn't get hit as much. He rolls with his shots. He catches and counters. He parries his shots. Uh, he's going to he's gonna give Baturvi problems. Uh, I just think that right now Canelo should focus on cleaning out 168 and then moving up to 175 and taking on whoever's undisputed champ at 175. That would be big. I think for Canelo, I think it would be big for the sport of boxing. Absolutely. I don't know if you're down with HCP, which is happening on Tuesday night. I am. Um, it's they're, they're, They go live at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Um, 
on YouTube. So you guys got to check out our boys at ATP. Are you down with HPP, uh, 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 Mokar? I'm I, I hope you are. I'm definitely down with HCP Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern uh, on oh, the- 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. My bad. Pacific. Yep. And I'm uh, I'm also down with Lance Mayer, man. New sub to the channel. Thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying the content. And I'm also down with everybody else here in the chat. D-Style, D-Outlaw, London Left Hook, Nando, uh, Hamed was here. Everyone in the chat, always in time. So I'm super happy that you guys are spending it here with us on a Monday night talking boxing. And you can call in 347-460-1773, 347-460-1773. Seven three. If you missed it, we had uh, Jose Benavides Jr. come on, leaving the ring. Uh, he did unhand wrap a lot of stuff here with us in the interview. Don't worry about it; you'll be able to catch the archive or catch the podcast tomorrow uh, morning. But you know, going back to Benavides, uh, I mean, not Benavides, uh, uh, Benavides, uh, Arthur Benavides. Everybody's already talking about Joe Smith. Versus him. Joe Smith has a very tough assignment happening in April. I mean, I think we are my prediction. I think your prediction was he may not pass this test. Yeah, absolutely. He's dealing with a tough opponent in Glasgow that's coming down from 200 pounds. A guy who's taken multiple heavy shots from cruiser weights. Talented guy in his his own right with a solid amateur background. Um, I, I... I can only guess, given that he's Russian, that his back his amateur background is much more extensive than Joe Smith's. Joe Smith's got that powerful punch, but you know he, we saw versus Bevel that he can be outboxed. He can and, out be he can be outboxed. He can be flustered. Yeah, uh, he doesn't know how to set shots. Sometimes, sometimes he forgets he has a left hand. You know, there are so many factors. He's slow on his feet. Is he a strong blue collar fighter? Absolutely. Did he knock out Bernard Hopkins? Who Bernard Hopkins was even saying it wasn't him. It was the floor that knocked me out. I was pushed. Um, he's got all of that backstory, which we truly love, which is that Rocky type of story in Joe Smith. But when you come down from out of that cloud and be realistic. This fight assignment, I don't think he's going to pass. No, and and look, we've seen him, like you said, get outboxed by Bevo, get outboxed by Sullivan Barrera. I mean, people have already forgot about that fight too, I guess. And he's taken on a guy in Vlasov who, again, is a former cruiserweight, right? This is a guy yes. who who fought for like wor- a world title to twice at cruiserweight. You know, and was pretty competitive at cruiserweight and is now moving down. I mean, he's a six, three and a half guy. Joe Smith Jr. is not going to have the size advantage against him. He's he's a serious dude, man. I, I, yeah. I'm just amazed at the way that they were just totally overlooking him. Uh, uh, they didn't uh, even bring him up. They didn't even bring Maxim. They just like, and Joe Smith. Versus this guy, it's going to be explosives. Like, holy shit, are we forgetting he's got a fight in April? I, I mean, mean, his three losses are are top losses. I mean, he lost to Isaac Chalemba. Yes, he well, he fought. Uh, he he, he redeemed himself, right? 
Zurdo, so sorry, the Zurdo Ramirez, that's a top, mm-hmm. right? And he lost to Glowacki, uh, who I felt, you know, didn't do as well as I thought he would against um, the Sauce on Saturday. Right. Uh, but he's still a, a top-tier cruiserweight. So he's coming from top-tier cruiserweight down to 175, and people are just, like, totally dismissing him. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And I did mention this, Lance, on when the fight was originally announced before uh, it was canceled because of COVID. I said, hey, you know, uh, Loss has a habit of being a poor man's version of Joe Calzaghe. He likes to throw those hands down there and stick his head out. He can't afford to do that. He's got to keep his hands up high. But like I said, the the quirkiness of his style may puzzle a Joe Smith if Joe doesn't have a answer to that, which would be a jab. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, look, I said it. He's used to overpowering his guys, used to being the bigger man in the ring, uh, in, in the light heavyweight division. I don't think Blasov's going to be intimidated by his power. I don't think he's going to be disadvantaged uh, with his size, obviously. I think this is a very competitive fight. Very. Shows you the fucking uh, pro-U.S. bias that ESPN always fucking has. I mean, they did uh, Joe Tessator just is, is he a cheerleader? What, was that like his sport in high school? Because it seems to be what he's best at. You know, I guess maybe he was, he's probably one of those guys like you know pushing up the women and catching them, and you know they have that little bullhorn. He's screaming the chants and stuff because that's what he does on ESPN. He is not at all a, a, an objective observer of the sport of boxing. He's a fanboy with a mic. On, on a, a lot of them are, though, though, Milkar, let's be honest. A lot of them go and they get their communication degree, and it's, it's almost like this is the spot that they can fit in, uh, uh, fill up some time, and they take that role. Let's be honest. A lot of them do that. You know, but – even at the same time, you see a lot of fighters like Sergio Moro has become more of a company man because this is the agenda. This is the assignment. You got to talk about this, this guy. There's really no, there's really no like Larry Merchant um, type of journalist, honest Steve that, that strikes a chord. I remember, look, I remember Larry one time said when Oscar De La Hoya and London, we'll keep an eye out for your your cousin's fighter, uh, McCann. Um, definitely take it, keep an eye out on him, on him, brother. Uh, I remember Larry saying with Oscar coming out to to Marathi's and Mexican music, and he was like, "I get the I get this whole thing here, and I get this. The crowd is here, blah blah blah. But this music sucks." I remember being a young man. I was pretty pissed off when he said that. I was like, "What this fucking guy?" Blah blah blah. Right, but. Then getting the chance to interview him, and that was an honest, raw moment for him because he was being truthful about it. He wasn't trying to sugarcoat it. He wasn't no. trying to be somebody he wasn't. He was being an honest journalist saying, look, I don't like this music. I don't relate to it. And well, sometimes I mean, that's okay. I mean, I, I, I actually like mariachi music. I mean, I, I guess I have to. My mom is, you know, half Mexican, uh, born in Central America. Um, 
and she just grew up with it on the radio and stuff before she had television. She didn't even have television growing up. It was all Mexican radio where she lived. And um, yeah, so that's kind of been part of like what I've heard around me for a long time. But where he doesn't like mariachi, I don't like the anthems. I've said this multiple right. times. Miss me with that shit, bro. I don't want to hear anthems. I want to see fights. Like, I, I like to see the the intros and the walkouts, unless it's J Balvin and Canelo. I, I could miss miss that one. But usually I do like the walkouts. By the way, I thought that the, the, the Chechen dancing was litty, man, on Saturday. I thought that was great. What'd you think? I probably, I don't think I even saw it because I know that there was sometimes where I was walking away, getting okay. food and all that. Who, 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 who did this? But Turbiev's intro was was great. He had like these Chechen dancers doing like classic Chechen. No, I didn't see it. Yeah, it was really good. Run it back. Run it back. I thought it was. I thought it was awesome. So these guys likes anthems. I don't like anthems. I got my own reasons for not liking anthems. I, I don't mean, mind. I don't mind anthems. But when you got like three in a row. It's all bullshit, man. I'm, I'm like, oh, man, come on. Let's just kind of rush this through. But I got to admit, I got to admit, and I might be biased to this, but when they do the Mexican anthem, I know that I'm going to fight. Yeah, I mean, at least, you know, the Mexican anthem didn't have lyrics in it about slavery and wasn't used all over the world, you know, during nuclear and gas attacks and right. butchering innocent civilians everywhere. I don't need to hear that before a boxing match. Like, like, they just let people listen to it in their I, I, AirPods or whatever. I, I don't want to hear it. Nor do I want to hear God Save the Queen. I don't want to hear that bullshit either. You miss me with all of these dumbass anthems. Every last one of them. Except for the Mexican one, because, you know, you're my guy and I respect that one. <laughs> let's, be let's be honest. They're, they're, talk, they're talking about, the, you know, the gritos of war against... Uh, you know the Spanish invaders. So yeah, th- th- there's there's some there's some respect in that one. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let me see. Okay, we should be getting Antonio Diaz here on in five minutes. He just confirmed with me he will be on with us, and uh, and I've been looking forward to this interview. I'm going to give you the premise of why I wanted Antonio Diaz. Some folks are going to like Antonio Diaz. Like really, if you don't know who Antonio Diaz is, let me give you a background. Antonio Diaz was the IBF champion at 140. He was set to fight Costa Zoo, but then uh, was kind of baited into moving up to 147 to face the new Sugar Ray Robinson and Shane Mosley, who had just got off of a fresh, phenomenal win over Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy, okay? Goes up, moves up, uh, loses that fight, gets stopped in the sixth round, and then was pretty much kind of written off. Uh, we had him on a leave, we had him on leaving the ring back in October 5th of 2014. I had that interview, it was an extensive one, and I thought that it would be great to have him on because things have changed where fighters now have more control of their career. Where Antonio Diaz was in an era where fighters didn't have that much control or didn't believe they had that option of having control of their career. So I thought it'd be interesting to hear his take on today and yesterday, since he was there, of what he thinks, what fighters are doing. What are the pros and cons of how fighters are chess moving their career in this crazy, uh, confusing sport called boxing? 
and he's he's comes from a f- boxing family too, man. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, his brother is uh, Joel Diaz, uh, obviously a great trainer, and also uh, he's, uh, his other brother Julio Diaz. Um, great boxing family. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing what he would say, uh, not just about his career, but about the current state of boxing in 2021. Now, Fernando out there, Nando's out pointing out something that happened with Trilla and Zone, Oscar De La Hoya. I haven't, I, I don't know anything about that yet. Didn't even catch it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to speak about it until I read about it and then, and, you know, find out a little bit more about it. Nando, sorry about that, bro. You know, um, I'm going to tell you my schedule here sometimes, okay? And I think that uh, Amilcar is in the same schedule. We work this full-time job. We rush home. We either have to make dinner for ourselves or we make dinner for the familia. And then we try to prep up as fast as we can what we're doing. We're like doing three or four things at once. And then we and him are communicating with, with, you know, trying to make sure we're set to go. And then we get on. So, like, if there's, like, news that either happened within the hour before within that hour before we go live we don't even catch it some i mean sometimes i don't even catch it if it's the the whole day cuz i get so uh focused and, and and caught up on what i'm doing uh for work because my mind is like i got to get this done to get home well this is what nando was talking about he says triller fight club today announced that boxing manager advisor peter khan has been named to the newly created position of chief boxing officer we are excited ooh peter khan huh Peter formally joined us in this critical role as we expand and advance the boxing side of Thriller Fight Club, Kavana said, in a very short period of time as we set up for April 17th, June and July events, it became clear that he is one of the smartest, most respected people in the sport, uh, yada, 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 yada. And uh, our guest, Mr. Antonio Diaz, is here with us now. We're going to bring him into the show Let's give it a, a big uh, leave it in the ring welcome. Yeah. All right, boxing savant, former boxer, uh, great boxing family uh, for joining us. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? Good, Good. man. Thank you. Thanks for Thank coming you. through, bro. Gracias mucho, man. Um, hello, you know, man. You know, it, I was just telling my audience a little earlier. Uh, dude, it's 2014, the last time that we had you on and we've interviewed you in October yes. 5th of 2014. Man, that's been a long time, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, before we go into the whole interview, I want to make, I want to ask you, man. So how have you been and, and um, how have you functioned during these trying times during the whole COVID situation? You know, I, I've been good. I've been good. Uh, we've been busy. Uh you know, we never stopped training when COVID started. Uh, we still kept kept training. Uh, uh, as you guys know, I mean, I, I, I'm employed for through the Boys and Girls Club. And also, um, I we train professional fighters. So right. when the COVID started, uh, we we got closed down at the Boys and Girls Club. So we still kept training the professional fighters, the only ones that were here and they were active and, and that were, you know, that needed to work. So we're helping them out and training them. And then... Uh, then we started doing uh, uh, some Zoom Zoom workouts with the kids to keep the program going. Oh wow, that's, that's what we great. started doing. We started doing that, and then uh, now they now they have the club open, but only for certain kids, and they're only doing uh, school. 
you know, online gotcha. schooling and helping them out the online schooling. And I'm also I go there for a little bit, and then I go to to the to the gym. We have a private gym right now. We're working at it. We're training our fighters that are fighting, and uh, and then uh, I come back to work, and I'm you know I'm still keeping busy, man. Busy all day. When let me ask you, because Julio, I don't hear much about your your younger brother Julio Kid Diaz. Uh, what's he been up to? How's he been? You know he's been good. Uh, he was here at my house last night. Uh, we were together this weekend. Uh, you know what? Julio, when, when Julio was fighting, he had a construction company going. Uh-huh. That I used to run for him while he oh, was wow. fighting. When he fought Juan Diaz, when he fought all these guys, you know, Keith Thurman and, you know, all these fighters, his construction company was going. So I was running the company for him. And, and when he wasn't fighting, well, he was coming through, you know, checking out the job sites and stuff. And he was pretty busy. So when, when he retired from boxing, he came to the gym and helped me out. You know, he was helping me out with some kids. You know, he wanted to train some fighters also. So he, you know, he stayed involved a little bit, about a year or two in, in, in boxing. But then uh, he finally said, you know what? I'm getting busier on my construction, on my work, on my job. You know what? I'm getting busier and busier, and I got to hire more people, and I got to do more stuff. And he started doing more other other things other than, than what he was doing before. So he uh, he decided to just say, you know what? I'm done with boxing completely. I'm going to go into, into construction. He loves, He's always been a construction guy. He loves it right. out there, and he's pretty busy. He's pretty busy. He's doing uh, uh, grading, underground piping, uh, demolition, uh, oh, wow. steering, uh, water trucks. Yeah, he has uh, machineries that he, you know, he uh, he has, and he's busy out there. That's a hell of a trade right there, man. Yeah, that's a tough, tough trade. Yeah. No, that is that's great. That is great, great to hear, man. So, has anybody confused you for as your for your brother? Uh, uh, well, Diaz and threatening you yet, bro, or no? Not yet. No, no, <laughs> no, not me. No, 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 yeah. Uh, let me introduce you to my co-host here, Emil Carr, brother. Emil Carr, go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, why, could you please just tell us, and especially for some of the fans that are not as familiar with your story, how you and your family uh, got so deep into the sport of boxing? It's, you know, there's three brothers, essentially, right? Or, or I don't know, four. maybe there are four. Wow. So could you just talk a little bit about that? You know, well, uh, it all started when Joao, I mean, we, uh, we were born in Mexico. Uh, my bro- uh, the oldest one is Joao. Then, the, then, then after Joao was Jesus, we call him Shaggy, myself, and then Julio was one of the youngest before my other brother got born, my younger brother. Uh, he, uh, Joao started, uh, uh, when we, got, we, we came from Mexico to here when I was five years old. And, uh, and one day, I was 10 years old, and Joao was out there, you know, riding a bike, and uh, he saw a boxing gym and he saw one of our cousins in the gym. So we went and asked him, hey, you know what, what's going on here? Oh, this is a boxing gym. He was like, I want a box. So Joao, they put him into box somebody. He got his, he got beat up, got bloody nose and got beat up. And he said, dude, I want, I want revenge. I want revenge. I want to get back at this guy. So he asked my dad. My dad said, no, no, clean the yard. Like, you know, my dad was the type of guy that never wanted us to do nothing but stay home and clean the yard. And get a job, you know. So, <laughs> right? so um, it all started like that. Joel started going, and 
he started uh, learning the sport of boxing, and then we started going. And then, uh, but the thing is, it was it was four of us, but he would never let all four of us go at the same time. It was either on Monday it was Joao and Shaggy, on Tuesday it was me and Joao, on Wednesday it was Joao and Julio, and then the next day again, next day again, we mix it up until one day Coach uh, Lee Espinoza, he mm. uh, he told my dad, you know what, you know these guys have talent, these guys are great fighters. Why don't you let all four of them come? I'll pick them up and I'll drop them off. So he will pick us up at four o'clock, drop us off at seven thirty at home, and that's how we started. We just started going at it, and and uh, that's how we got into it. Go ahead, Dave. I was gonna say, um, has your your dad? Did he get to see the fruits of what the sport has provided for you guys? I mean, because yes. for every every Mexicano father, it's it's hey. I, you know, necesita ir a trabajar, and you know they didn't care what you did. You just no, had to be good at it, right? You know, yeah, exactly. My dad, my dad was hard. My dad was hard. Uh, there was times that Lee, Lee would tell us, our coach Lee would tell us, "Hey, we're having a, we're gonna go to a show on Saturday." So we would tell my dad, "Dad, um, on a Monday, Dad, um, we're gonna go to a show on Saturday. Can can we come? Can we come to uh to the? Can we go to the show?" Ah, quit messing around. Quit playing around. Just stay home and clean the yard. Mm. Man, and on Tuesday, Dad, are you going to let us go? He wants to know. Tell the man to just that you guys are going to stay home and clean the yard. I'm like, man. So on Saturday morning, my dad would get up at 4.35 in the morning to go to work. I would set my alarm. We would set up our alarm at 5 o'clock before we went to work. So there was times that we we had to catch him while he was driving out the driveway. And we had to go and tell him, Dad, are you going to let us go to the fight? He would be like, Man, you serious? Like you guys can go play around, waste your time instead of cleaning the yard. I go, we're like, we'll clean the yard right now, and then we'll go over there. So he'll he'll pull up like five, ten, twenty bucks here, just be back early, and then we'll clean the yard before we left. And that's how it was. And then my dad was never the type of guy that that would go see us train. He never interfered in, in training. He, my dad, was just, how you guys doing? Okay, all right, all right, dad, we're fighting so much all day. Okay, when we turned pro, he started. Uh, um, he started asking more questions, but he never went to the gym to see us train unless we told him that was was part on Saturday. You want to come check us out? And then he would go when he was off from work. Wow. So one one time, I remember he would tell Joel, "Boxing is just a waste of time. Boxing is just a waste of time. You ain't gonna do nothing with it, with it." So one time, I remember back in. Back in the days, uh, when we started at the old fire station on Sixth Street, they had a uh, some movie producer said, "Hey, we're doing a we're doing a movie. Can we borrow your gym? And we're gonna pay the people, you know, to 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 participate. Who do you got? You know, we got Joao, we got this guy, that guy. So they all got paid for doing a movie in the at midnight." Oh, wow. The movie was about boxing, about a guy in love with this girl, and the guy was in boxing ring. He was a boxer, whatever. So, Joao, I remember I was with them one time. I wasn't getting paid, but I was just there with my teacher, you know, I was there. Right. And right. I see, they said, okay, ready, guys, action. And they'll be shadow boxing at two, one, two in the morning. They'll be shadow boxing. And, and then the guy will be like fighting or doing whatever or training. And then, okay, break, break, break. Rest for a little bit. So, we had to rest. And then we see a they changed the whole the whole road. They changed it like to to the old timers, and uh, <laughs> they changed everything. So then we had to wait for another seat to go by, and then okay, guys, ready for the box? Ready, go. We had to get up and start doing it. And remember, I remember they gave Joao like a six hundred dollar check, 
So he told you what? He told my dad, here. Oh. He told my dad, he told my dad, dad, here. Boxing ain't, ain't gonna do shit, but here, you have it. And my dad was like, ah, oh, this is yours, you know, you keep it. But then, you know, with time and everything, everything we started doing, and we started fighting, you know, professionally, he, he got more a little bit into it, but he never interfered with our training. That's a great story, man. That's a great, great, great story. What was the name of the movie? Do you remember? You know what? Ah, I, uh, I don't remember. They said it was called "Good Night, My Sweet," or it wasn't a. It, it, it wasn't a, a, a kids movie. Yeah. Okay. From what I heard, they had some some PG. I mean, the rated R stuff. We didn't get to see, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I bet you anything, Ernesto will probably know because he's like a stalker yeah, for you yeah, guys. It was, eh? an old movie. It, was a, <laughs> it was an older movie. It was a while back, a long time ago. We've got uh, a question from one of our listeners here, DG. He says, You've got a really old school record. He's asking, What was your toughest win? Oh, my toughest win was Irish Mickey Ward. Ooh, yeah, that's a great fight. Yeah. Was, one. Uh, I mean, it was the toughest and the funnest fight for me. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, it, it was fun. That fight was fun. I mean, we had to change the whole game plan around because I got bored, <laughs> you know? Um, I was the type of fighter that uh, I, I had boxing skills. I could have boxed you from the outside using my jab. I had a great jab. And the plan was to outbox Mickey Ward. But when I got there and I was boxing for the first two rounds, two and a half rounds, after a while, I got bored, and I started staying inside, and I started hearing the people, the crowd, yelling. I said, this is where I want to stay. So I get, I get to the corner, and they tell me, what the hell are you doing? You know, you have, there's not the fire plan. I'm like, Lee, I'm bored. And Joel goes, okay, well, just be careful inside. I'm like, all right, they gave me green light. And I was, I mean, they always said Mickey Ward was one of the toughest body punches, but I never, never got hurt in the body. I mean, he, uh, I mean, he was, he is pretty hard, but I, I, right. I had good, uh, good defense in the body. It was hard for him to put the punches in me, and uh, and I gave him uh, some of the same ones too. So, but it was good. You, it was it was fun, and it was a awesome fight. There you, you know, go. It, 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 it's crazy you bring up that fight because that fight did change your whole career and your life, whether it was for the worse or for the best. Because after that, Cameron Duncan goes, "Your life is about to change." You remember and, from the interview. <laughs> and then he said, "Listen, because uh, who you wanted? Because you were at 140. You wanted Costa Zoo. Costa Zoo, yes, sir." And he was like, "Look, we got offered to go to New York, face Sugar Shane Mosey at 147. But you had told him, look, 'Look, I'm not 147. I'm 140. I want Costa Zoo.'" And he said, "He was like, no, let's wait. We could go to 147. If it doesn't pan out, we could come back down." To yep. 140 to face Costa yep. Zoo, but when it didn't pan out, he lost your number number out of yep. out of the shuffle. C tell me about that, man. When you look back about that, tell me that that whole experience. Yeah, what well, what happened? It, it did. Um, after the fight, he comes to the dress room and he gives me a hug and he goes, "You know what, kid? Do you know what you what you just what you what just happened?" I go, "No, what happened?" He goes, "Your life has just changed. You're a superstar." I go, "Okay." And then uh, we got big things coming for you. All right. So, I mean, I, I didn't believe it until, you know, I saw it. So, he came back home. We celebrated. And then a week later, two weeks later, they called me. We need to sit down at the top of the conference. Bob wants to talk to you. 
we need you guys to come over. So Lee and I, we went on a Friday. We were there Friday. Uh, no, we left on a Thursday. So we had to meet on Friday at the office. And uh, when we got there, I mean, they all shook my hand. It was all, everything was great. How you doing? I go, oh, great. I go, he goes, are you ready for some good news? Go, yeah, what's up? He goes, we have an opportunity for you to fight for the WBC. I'm like, hell yeah. I go, that's Costa Zoo. That's what I want. Right. And he goes, well, no, um, we give you an opportunity at 147. I'm like, I'm like, come on, Cameron, I'm not 147, I'm 140. Yeah, but there's also the opportunity to fight for, for the WBC at 140, but it's different. Like, what do you mean? He goes, uh, if you fight Costa Zoo, they're giving you 50,000 and the fight's going to be in Russia. Yeah. I was like, oh, shucks. He goes, but if you fight Shane Mosley, at 147, they're giving you 300. I think at that time he's offering you giving me 380, but I think we got we got like, we got like 420. He goes, well, but uh, we get a little more, and that's what he said. Uh, the guy they gave me 420, and then he goes, and I, him and Bob said, I I why don't we just go for Mosley, and if it don't come out the way we planned, like it's planned out, let's just say that. That was in our weight class. We moved down to 140, and we'll go looking for Casazu again. I said, okay. Well, I mean, if that's what you guys want. So I was in training camp for Shane Mosley. I was up in Big Bear. As a matter of fact, his training camp, his, his hours were uh, 12 o'clock. My, my hours were at 2 o'clock. So every time I would hit the gym, I would always we would always see each other coming out. Him coming out, me going in. And I would go <laughs> eat. Cause, and Big Bear, there's only a couple of restaurants, Zizzlers and a couple of little Mexican restaurants. And I would always see my sizzlers. I would, every, everywhere, everywhere I went, I always saw Mosley. Man, I, go, wow. I see him. I'm gonna see him in the ring, and I see him here every day. So we were training, and then I think the week before we left, before we closed camp, they sent me a contract. Somebody for Topper went out, went all the way over there, and they gave me a contract. They said, "Oh, here's a contract." Bob sent you this contract. If you become the winner, your contract will extend another four years, three years with top rank and your minimum for the first fight is going to be like $2 million. I was like, man, that's a good contract. But I was like, man, you know, and I trained hard for that fight. I really trained very hard. I was right. already prepared. But man, when, when I got to the ring, I mean, I was very confident because I had seen Mosley a while back. He was small, 135, 130. But when I saw him there at the dresser, at the weigh-ins, he looked small. But when I saw him in the, in the ring, that dude looked huge. I'm like, what the hell did you eat? Like, he took <laughs> off his robe, and they announced me, oh, uh, the, the the current WIBA world champion, junior uh, welterweight champion, and then and then they turned to the to the opponent, to the opponent, the former featherweight, the former super featherweight, the former lightweight, the former two time welterweight, the former this and that. I'm like, this is like, like, like just looking at him like, like what the hell, like. When are you going to stop? Just just say his name. Like, dude, I kind of froze. So when uh, I started, I started a little slow, you know? I started a little slow because I had all that. You're a farmer, you're a farmer, you're a farmer. So, I mean, he kind of got a little starstruck there. and But uh, I got a little upset. We were just talking to, to one of the guys uh, a while back, a couple of days ago. When I fought him, I got stopped in the sixth round. And if you right. look at all my fights, I would always do good from the first to the third round. 
from the fourth, fifth, and sixth, I would always take a break. I don't know. I don't know why I always had that habit. I would always take a break between the fourth, fifth, and sixth. But the seventh on, I'll come back strong, you know? Mm-hmm. And 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 uh when I got dropped, I got hit behind the head one time. I went down to my knee. I got up. Just, okay, yeah. let's go again. And I got here again, the same spot. I went down to my knee. I got up and and, and I told the told the referee, Arthur Mercante, so hey, I'm good. He goes, Oh no, he waved it off. I go, What the fuck? Like, what the hell? He goes, Oh, he goes, he's the best fighter in the world. He can hurt you. I'm not, dude, I, I went off on him. I told him all kinds of crazy words, but I don't want to say them. But yeah, I was like, dude, I go, this is a championship fight. What the fuck are you doing? Like, dude, he ain't gonna hurt me. Who cares? You know? Yeah, right. but it was it was a good fight. I mean, it was Moza was just too fast. He was too too fast. So you go back home, you and Lee Espinosa, which I love Lee, man. I haven't seen him in such a long time. Yeah. You know, um, you guys go back and the promise was, hey, if you're not successful at 147, we still got the Costa Zoo. What happened there? We got back. We took some time off. The fight was in November, November 3rd, I remember, of 2000. And uh, we got back. We took the rest of the, the rest of the year off. Uh, and at the beginning of the year, we started calling Cameron. He wouldn't answer his phone like he used to before. He wouldn't answer. Right. We would call the office. They were, he was never there. Uh, or he was always busy. We'll call you back. He never did. And finally, one day, we just went to the office. We just drove over there on, on a Friday. And we went to the office. And we saw him there. Like, dude, what the hell? You're not answering. Oh, I've been so busy. Whatever, whatever. So then we told him, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, we need, we need to fight. We want to know what, what, what's, uh, what's in for us, you know? So then uh, they were like, okay, we're working on some stuff. And I don't, I don't know if you remember, back in the days, they had those uh, solo book sales series on yes. Sundays. On oh, Sundays yeah. at 1 p.m., yeah? Yep, so they were like, okay, we have Antonio fighting. Uh, I remember I fought the first fight back was in, uh, in, in El Centro, in Calexico, as a matter of fact, a Mexican oh, wow. border uh, in the inside right. of Calexico. It was outside of one of the boxing clubs on the outside parking lot uh, on a solo box hill at 12, 1 o'clock noon, at 12 o'clock noon. So I remember I fought one, that one there. Then my second one was the same same solo box hill in, in Wendover, Utah. That was the state land of Utah, Nevada, right, right in the middle of nowhere. I fought there uh, on a May. It was a May, May uh, 13th of uh, 2001. And then, uh, no, yeah, 2001, yes. And then... Uh, I fought um, again after that one. I fought another one in Arizona, at Tempe, Arizona. I went to the Rock and Rodeos at 12 noon, and then we asked, "Hey, is there any other fight?" So they gave me one at Fancy Springs in October when I fought Orlando Hollis. Uh, I was like, I think it was an ESPN card. I stopped him like in the seventh round. So after that, we uh, we asked, "Hey, you know what's going on? We want our title fight. What's going?" Oh no! Right now the champions are tied up. There's no this and that. So we asked, "What's our next fight?" You know, oh, right now we don't have nothing yet. Maybe something towards the beginning of the year, but towards next year, we're like, "Dude, but what? What's going on?" Okay, we'll let you know what's going on. So finally, I decided to get married in December of 2001 because there was nothing coming for me. So right. I got married. I got married. Uh, went on my honeymoon. Came back. When I come back from my honeymoon, they tell me, hey, you're fighting Antonio Margarita for the world title. When? No, in March. March 16th. Oh, like, fuck. <laughs> like, dude, Jesus you guys told Christ. me you guys have nothing to, towards the big, the bigger fights were going to be like in the middle of the year. 
oh, well, there's a Margarito uh, for the vacant WBO that uh, Daniel Santos just vacated, and Santos moved up to fight Joey Boy Campos for the WBO, WBO 154-pounder, 154 154-pound right. title, and he left the 147-pound vacant, the WBO. He goes, it's either that one or you don't want it. We're like, yeah, well, okay, I'll well, do it. So I was a way overweight. You know, I fight in October. I didn't fight the rest of October, November, December, and half of January because I was on a honeymoon. I was just got married and all that stuff. And sure enough, I took the fight. And I mean, I thought I was doing good, but, you know, plaster kicked in and the rest and was history. It's history. <laughs> <laughs> you know, plaster you know, kicked in. <laughs> what asking you, Dave? Well, the reason I was asking you about this story, Coach, is because <clears throat> when I look at that time, it, it, you know, of where the era you were from, you put the trust in these 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 management and you, even your promoter, mm-hmm. and and you're seeing what's happening now, like with Teofimo Lopez Jr. Taking mm-hmm. control of his career, going, telling top rank straight up, you know, because he had his life changing moment too yeah, by beating Lomachenko. Course. Come on, yeah, you know, you know, and he said, "Look, I'm I'm not gonna uh, bend to the mercy of you guys. I'm not gonna make the mistakes of the old peers. I'm gonna take control of my my career." Yeah. Let me ask you: Do you what are the, what do you think are the? I mean, obviously, you you probably sit back and go, "Fuck, I should have done that." I, yeah. I, I, if there was those opportunities of what we're seeing now with social media, it would have been different, you know. Like it would have been a yeah, little different. Of course, yes. Uh, of course, uh, if 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 I was in this kind of era with social media, man, I know I would be a lot bigger than what I was before. Right. Back in the days, there was no era, big, big, uh, big, big things like big as um, social media. I mean, when I was close to my retirement, that's when MySpace started coming out, and I mean, it was it was nothing big. But now. Other social media thing, the the the, the own fighters promoting themselves, and right with Teofimo Lopez, I mean he deserves to control his own career. He deserves to make his own decisions because he beat the best fighter in the world. You know, he right. proved himself. I know. I mean he did he did exactly what he had to do. But uh, right, I, mean, it's, I wish they had all this YouTube and all this social media, Instagram, Facebook back in the days. When you when you see something like that happen, does it does, does it put a smile on your face because he's essentially going up against the system that that the system that you were with that failed you? Yes, yes, he's going up against it uh, now. He's uh now he's telling the, the promoter now it's my 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 turn now the the promoter has to listen to what he's saying because come on they, he's, he's he's a superstar. You know, and he can't. Right. He can't say no to the superstar. Which he did. And and Teofimo said, then then I'm leaving. I'm yeah. going to go sign another deal with Trilla, which is for yeah. six six million. Let me ask you, because you've been you're, you've been in the in the part of the fighter shoes, <coughs> now the the coach shoes and stuff. What are what what do you foresee could be a con of seeing fighters do this going? Hey, you know what? I'm not gonna fight this fight if you don't give me this amount of money. I'm gonna go over here. Do you see anything back, you know, backlashing or anything like that? No, you know what? What I see right now that all these fighters, all these prospects, all these youngsters, they're more about the money than the fights. 
back in the days, we used to go to top our conference and tell them we want fights. We never told them we want money. We want fights. We want to right. fight. Who? I want to fight the best. Number one fights number two. Number three fights number four. Number four and fights number five. And the winners fight. You know the winners. Now these guys are. Oh, if if you don't give me so much, I'm gonna go sign with somebody else. But there's a bit, there's also a, a, a mistake when they do that. I've known right. fighters personally that I've told them a while back, fighters that came out of the Olympics, that I told them, without mentioning any names, I told them, dude, when you sign with somebody, don't go by who's going to pay you the most signing bonus. Because hmm. at the end of the day, they're not going to give you fights. Go with the one that's going to give you, keep you more active. Right. The, yeah. I, I go, look, look, look at, the, at the promoter that has the most events during the year, that has the TV, and, and that has everything. I go, if somebody gives you a $200,000, a $500,000 bonus, you're going to spend that money like this. I go, but right. if you get a promoter that tells you, I'm going to pay you, you're going to have a minimum of, of six fights per, per, per year for so many years, and your, your minimum for four rounds is this much, the minimum for six rounds is this much, and the minimum for eight, ten, and twelve, and, and you're guaranteed a world title within this 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 period. Dude, like that's that's who you want to be. That's who you want to be with. I I know fighters that, that 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 they went and signed off. They signed with the promoter that gave them the most money, but but they're sitting down. They're not busy. They're not active. They fight once a year, once every other year. Well, I was like, gonna, yeah. I was going to ask you that, Antonio, in terms of your experience with, with Cameron Duncan and with your promoters and kind of what advice you'd pass on. But that's great advice because I asked David this before. In fact, I just asked him the other day. Remember, David, I was asking you, why did Bubu Andrade, a guy who was an amateur world champion, Joe LaGuardia uh, uh, boxing, and that's probably it. He probably gave him a huge signing bonus, right? Yeah, exactly. What ends up happening is he's inactive for most of his career. For example, look at look at uh, all these fighters that signed with Rock Nation. Rock Nation is oh, yeah. a, a big big money. They started. They came out giving all this money to these people, to these fighters, and signing them. And they were all sitting down because they didn't have shows, they didn't have TV network, they didn't have nothing. You know. Look at that. Right now, I think, I mean, Golden Boy, uh, before COVID, Golden Boy has, has, uh, has everything. They have the, 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 the zone. They have the, they had the ESPN. They had the, so the, the Facebook watch. And they had shows twice a month, three times a month. They were always asking us, do you have any fighter for this show? Do you have any fighter for this? Because they were, they're busy. Right now, due to COVID, I mean, not, not just them, but everybody stopped. There, there, there are there right. so many shows per, per, per month, whatever, because of COVID. But, but once this COVID thing's done, I mean, I know they're going to get back on track and gain all these fights out there. there, there there's promoters who have, who have one show every, every six months, and they put 15, 16, 18 fights just to get their fighters fighting. And not all of them get on TV. Right. I think that's what I tell everybody. Don't look at... Don't worry about the bonus. Don't worry about who's paying you the most money. I go go on who who's gonna give you the most fights. Who's gonna give you the the the, the, the better the better amount per 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 fight or per rounds, and that's how you're gonna make out the money. 
there's guys that made 500,000 signing bonus. And there's a guy over here that, that said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sign with those so-and-so. The minimum per fight is so much, but they've been so busy that they already passed the 500,000. <laughs> look at, look right. at Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather didn't want a, a signing bonus. He just wanted an opportunity. He got the opportunity. Now he's one of the best of the world. Look at Miguel Cotto. Yeah. Miguel Cotto never got a signing bonus to, to top rank. That's top rank. They'll tell you. The buff will tell you. We never gave Miguel Cotto a signing bonus. He just wanted the opportunity. We gave him the opportunity. He was a great fighter. He was put in every big pay-per-view events. And look at what he did. He made millions. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true. You know, I mean, even the guys that did get a signing bonus in the 90s didn't even see it. Like Oscar no. De La Hoya, he got what, twice? He got two-time signing bonus. Didn't even yeah. see the money. No. You know? No. That's exactly. Just, but look, he kept fighting. Now he's... The super millionaire, man. He's, he's huge. So the thing is, you're saying is activity is what's most important. Impor exactly. Exactly. You need to be active. Yeah. You need to be active. You need uh, when, when, when you're young. When you, I'm going to tell you something. When I, when, when, when I turned pro, I was fighting once a month. If you look back on my boxer, I think in my boxer, in 97, February of 97, I fought four times in one month. Wow. I was not, and knocked the guy out in the first round, second round. And then next week I had another fight, then I had another fight. Lee Espinoza, he had me, I mean, moving pretty, pretty well. And then I remember I started knocking one guy out, knocking another guy out, knocking another guy out. And then I went decision, decision. And then I lost my first fight. And then I came back, knock on, knock on, then decision, decision. After my second loss, Lee Espinoza talks to me one day. He goes, I need to talk to you. He calls me to his office and tells me. I noticed you went from knocking out, knocking out to decisions, to decisions, to a loss. Then you came back to knock on, knock on, then more decisions, decisions, and a loss. I've been noticing that you've been leaving the gym earlier. I heard you have a girlfriend, and you're not 100%. Hmm. I go, oh, I'm 100%. Bullshit, I wasn't. You know, like, I was more <laughs> to my girlfriend at that time. I mean, I was like 18, 19 years old. You know? He goes, I'm going to tell you one thing. He goes, I'm going to tell you something right now. You don't have to answer me right now. I'll give you two, three weeks to answer, and then let me know, and then tell me what you think. He goes, I'm asking you right now, give me two years without a girlfriend. Give me two years with no girlfriend, I'll make you a world champion. You don't have to answer now. Answer, give me an answer in two weeks, a week. Go talk to your girlfriend and tell her that if you guys are going to be together, I mean, to hold off, and if you guys were meant to be together, you guys will be together. But, hey, you know what? Talk to her right. I go, Lee, as of now, I don't have a girlfriend. I give you my word. No, 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 no. Come back in a week or two. I go, I talk to my girlfriend, I tell her what's going on. I look for an excuse, I look for an excuse just to say that we're done. So the next day I go to the gym, Lee, I'm done with her. No, no, I told you, I, I'm done. I started training, started training, came back, started knocking down, knocking down, knocking down. He got me That's the title. That's dedication, bro. The title That's eliminator. They got the world title fight, and from there on, the rest is history. All right, so now I've taken away three uh, learning uh, points from this. One, don't take the signing bonus. Sign for activity. Two, sign with a promoter that's got a lot of good distribution, even if it's live, right? And three, no girlfriends. Yes, girls, yes. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. This is what he told me. I'm not telling you you cannot have girls. Yes, 
have one, two, three, or four of them, but don't have one. Because one girl, if you're only stuck to one girl, you're fucked in the head. You messed up in the head. That's when true. you have one, two, or three, and you call one of them and she don't answer, you'll be like, ah, what the heck? I'll call the other one. The yeah. other one's there. Yeah. Yeah, I want a divorce. Hold No, no. When you're not, when you're not, you see the thing is this. Right. There was times that, 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 that it was time to go to the gym, and I would call my girlfriend, for real. I would call right. her. She wouldn't answer me. Like, Fuck, like, I'll, I'll be already mad and pissed. Yeah. Where's so she I'll call her again. She, she didn't answer. She's like, damn, where the fuck she asked so I'll go to the gym. I will train pissed. I'll be pissed. Like, just thinking about where the fuck she at, you know, like, or, or, right. or, or I wouldn't even train right. And I want to leave that. I want to find an excuse. Oh, I'm not feeling well. Just to go home again and call her or go to her house and see where, where she's at. And it's true. It happens. It is. Because you, yeah. you're strong with one girl. But but when you have two, three, or four of them friends, when you have friends, that's what Lee was telling me. He goes, have friends. Don't have a girlfriend. Have friends. After a while, uh, when, when, when I became world champion, I defended it 11 times, and I, and I, I did everything I did. He tells me, hey, if you want to get married now, it's up to you. Now you're ready, right? Yeah. It's so this sport. This sport is so tedious, huh? It's just there's so much involved in it to be. Which, which, tell me this, man. Do you think there'll ever be a method of developing a perfect fighter? I don't know. It's, it's hard. Right? It's, it's hard, hard to develop a perfect fighter. And, and like yeah. you said, this sport is, is is crazy. Like for example, I have a kid. That train mm -hmm. that, that we train that I trained. I've trained him since he was 10, 11 years old. His name is Manuel Flores. He's a nine and oh with eight knockouts. We just fought on the top rank show last September. We fought an undefeated kid from Puerto Rico. Uh, and we knocked him on the fifth, sixth round, fifth round. Well, this kid is is great. He's helping us spar right now. He's helping us spar with one of our one of our champions. And he's been looking good every day. And today he looked a little sluggish. Mm. So I asked him, I go, I go, Manuel. Were you drinking this weekend? He goes, no, coach. I go, are you sure? Because I kind of saw a video that you were with some friends and there was beer involved. He goes, no, coach. Uh, I was just a designated driver. I was there, but I was, I don't, I don't drink. He goes, I was just driving for them. I go, did you stay up late? He goes, yeah, Saturday was pretty, pretty we stayed up pretty late. I go, yeah, I could tell on your, on your, on your performance today. You look, you look sluggish. You look off compared to last week. Last week, you were looking great. He goes, yeah, he goes, my body's just tired from, from, from the weekend. It's any little thing. It's the sport of boxing. Right. If it's the girl, if it's the, the, the if you stayed up late, if you drank, or whatever it is, you know, it's crazy. How about how about the management of money for a fighter? Should should a manager, I mean, should a fighter be that involved in the money? I mean, because the, the criticism has always been is that a fighter should know his bank account. But you, you, if, if a woman can get in your head, you know your money can mess with your head too, right? Mm, yes, depending on the girl. Because I've known girls, like, like for example, Timothy Bradley. Mm. Bradley, when he started making money, we, we, we would tell him, champ, you got to do this, you got to do that. So you don't pay too much taxes, do this, do that. You, so he learned a lot from, from me and Joao. We, we taught him everything. But at the same mm -hmm. time, when he, went, when he got his girl, his girl was very smart. Mm -hmm. Bradley's girl helped him a lot on, on, on moving, moving his money. Uh, okay, we're going to put some here, put some there. So now they're, they're doing well. Monica, right? Monica, yes. 
Monica, yeah. yes. Monica helped them out and, and Brad and Tim also. They opened up restaurants. They're doing very well right now in the restaurants. Uh, they, they have properties that they bought. Uh, they have great investors. So, so they're, 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 they're in good position because the girl helped them. I mean, yeah, remember when right. you have a good girl behind you, I mean, the sky's the limit, you know? But when you have right. a girl that's just that's just interested in 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 uh, in Louis Vuittons and is interested in Gucci's and Prada's, that's that's not good, you know? I was like, no, absolutely not. I, I remember, I remember when Tim when Tim we got a couple of his first big paydays, he was never flashy, and the first thing I saw him flash was a nice big thick chain, but it was one of those uh, uh, stainless steel chains. It was that, but it wasn't. Like the, the the big old gold DMX, they all there was like none of D- those. He wanted uh-huh. before he had a nice nice pendant. I mean, it looks nice, but it was inexpensive. I mean, it is t- Tim Tim was always very humble. He was always he was never flashy. I mean, yeah, he had his nice little cars, but they were not. He didn't like to be all flashy, you know. He was like, ah, he drives his car here and there, and it's like whatever, you know. But right. he's a good guy. I mean, Tim Tim was always very humble and a good guy, and. And this girl was always great with them also. That's great to hear, man. Um, I, my last question is this, man. Because you and your brother have seen so many fighters coming out of the gym. You guys have worked with so many different fighters. Mm-hmm. Which ones are the tougher ones to, to get them to focus? Is it the American fighters, like, you know, the, the, the African-Americans or Chicano fighters? Or... or like the fighter that came that fought on Saturday too, that's trained by your brother Nino. Guys like that, they're coming from Argentina or 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 from Nicaragua or from Mexico. Are those guys much easier to that because you know they're gonna be more serious about the sport, or or it doesn't really matter. It really depends on the individual. It depends on the individual, and from what I've seen, the fighters that we train. The guys that come from Mexico are the hardest ones to work with, because some really? of them are, yeah, some of them are like, man, like, dude, you guys have the talent, you guys have everything, like, you have everything to become world champion, but they're very undisciplined. I mean, we have some, we've had some fighters that have great talent, but, mm-hmm. but undisciplined, with the weight, with the running in the mornings, with the training, like, we tell them. We're picking you guys up at so time. We'll meet at so so at this time for the run. Wow. They're not showing, they're not showing up. Like, dude, what happened? Where you at? Where you at? Uh, they don't answer. Oh, I fell asleep. Oh, I didn't put my alarm. Oh, I said, uh, I was awake all night. I mean, my alarm didn't go off. I didn't feel well. Like every time there was an excuse. But like right now, we're training a couple couple of Russians and Uzbekistan fighters. Right. Man, we have MJ Agmadaliev, the world champion, oh, yeah. who defends next week. We leave, yeah. as a matter of fact, this week, we leave to Uzbekistan. Uh, we have seven of them fighting over there, but we're working with three of them right now here. And seven, mm-hmm. and then we have other four more that are in Uzbekistan that we work with them here, but they're over there right now. But, man, the, these guys are very, very disciplined. These guys, you don't have to worry about the weight. You don't have to worry about them getting up and running. I mean, we just got to go in the gym and and and... and Correct them on the mistakes in the boxing. They love boxing. They have tons of skills, uh, tons of experience, but they're very dedicated on what they want. They come here just to train, not to have a good time, not to go uh, vacationing. No, they're here just to work. And their weight is always on point. 
we never stress with them for the weight. Man, that's great to hear. You know, the dynasty of the DS, man. I mean, it's 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 just getting brighter and brighter. Um, Amilcar, you got any last questions, bro? No, I mean, I, I was here. To, I'm a teacher, but tonight I was taking notes. School was in session today, my man. <laughs> and giving a lot of great advice out there. I hope, hopefully, a lot of these young kids coming out of the amateurs get to hear some of this because you dropped some gems tonight in terms yeah, of how you yeah. approach yeah. your, your professional career. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, I tell these fighters, like, if you're in this, remember, this is your job. Instead of going to a 40, 50-hour job, you know, um, you're only training one hour in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. Watch your weight. I right. mean, train hard. This is your job. It's only a couple hours a day, but but at the end, you get a good a good result. I mean, a good good price, you know. And it's short. And it's short lived too. This, yeah, this exactly. I, it's just, right. I mean, you. I, I I tell them you can make as much money as you want. If you want to make a lot of money, it all depends on you. you Absolutely. Know? Yeah. You know, I I've always wondered, Antonio. Before I let you go, because uh, you know. When I watch like Rock the Rocky uh, uh, Rocky Three after he beats uh, Mr. T, Apollo Creed and him step in the ring and they, you know the brothers like I, I mean you know he's like I want one more fight and mm. you you and who will ever do that you guys ever go like hey man me and you let's <laughs> let's mix it up bro let's do this you know <laughs> I, I, I told them I told them hey, Joe why don't me just get in the ring and, and we just do a couple rounds part and he goes ah shut up I'm I'm not <laughs> going there. You know, I'm always giving a hard time. He's, uh, I mean, it's just crazy. Oh, that yeah. was, man. Again, bro, hey. thank you for coming. Hey, you man. leaving the ring. It was Any great time, having man. you on. Anytime, man. Anytime. Just give me a call. I'm a phone call away, you know? Absolutely, Absolutely bro. Awesome. Thank you. All right. All right. You're welcome, guys. And Coach Antonio Diaz here with us on Leaving the Ring. If you guys missed the interview, don't worry about it. You can catch it. On the podcast or here on YouTube, it should be uploaded um, first thing tomorrow morning. So I, uh, before we get out of here, Dave, I want to remind everyone that uh, the Shoe Shine is going live. I think they're waiting for us to start. Uh, they go live after us on Monday. So head over to the Shoe Shine if you want to continue to talk uh, boxing and listen to some boxing analysis. They're part of the Leave It In The Ring radio network, their show goes live on Mondays and then gets thrown up on the podcast network uh, later in the week. We've also got Hispanics causing panic. Who's down with HCP? I definitely am. I know David is. I know my man Nando is over there, as are many other people there in the chat. Join HCP Live each Tuesday night. That's 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on D-Style Boxing. Wednesday nights on the Leave It In The Ring rotation. We've got none other than G-Funky Boxing, G-Fun Stradamus, one of the best fight picks guys out there doing it. He hosts HCP Uncensored, and that's a free forum. You guys can always hit that link and join in on the Convo Live, as you can here. And uh, then it's the Thursday Roundtable uh, with me, D-Style, Joe Habib from Ringside Reporter, G-Funky, and usually some special guests. 
And I want to let everyone else out there know that I do my thing Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's Leave It In The Ring, live at 5, boxing, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, right here on my channel. That is the rotation. Check us out, Pandora, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Leave that five-star review and help us keep this great thing called Leave It In The Ring going. That's it right there. We had a lot to uh, hand wrap here on Leave It In The Ring. We had Jose Benavides Jr. join us, talk a little bit about you know what's going on with his career, uh, and then Antonio Dinius uh, joined us here and put you know put us in session, uh, a school session here. And, you know, again, I, the reason I wanted him on, if you're wondering why I wanted Antonio Dinius, because uh, uh, it was for that very reason. I knew that he was going to come on here and really drop some gems and give you a more broader view of the business of this sport. You know, when fighters do certain things. It's for a kind of a reason, um, you know, and fighters are starting to tend to get a little bit smarter and, and, and starting to understand this, this very complicated thing called the boxing business part, you know. And we're going to continue doing these type of interviews here on Leaving the Ring. We got a great setup lineup of guests for next week as well that's going to get take us in a little bit deeper into the business of boxing. Um, but I think we're pretty much all up, unless you want to give you a quick prediction for this Saturday fight that's happening on the zone, the rematch, an anticipated rematch between uh, Povekian and Dillian White here, Milkar. This is one of the tough ones for me because I want Povekian to win, and I'll tell you why. I, I actually used to like Dillian White. I was actually rooting for him in the AJ fight, but when a guy's in the hospital recovering from COVID – you don't say that the guy's faking an illness to get out of a fight. Like, mm. come on, bro. Like, you guys are both warriors. You know the code. Like, Pavekin ain't afraid of nobody. No. I, don't, I don't think anybody who's ever watched boxing thinks that Pavekin's afraid of anybody. <laughs> I don't um, think he's ever showed he's afraid of anybody, to tell you the truth. COVID. Right. Like, how many fights have got canceled because of that? I mean, a bunch, you know? Exactly. Uh, him to go and say, oh, he's faking it. Who gets COVID and then is able to fight so quickly? Well, last time I checked, uh, didn't Luke Campbell get COVID and then just fight like a month later? I mean, it happens. And this was a lot longer than that. So, look, I hope Povetkin gets to work him on the inside, gets to hit him with an uppercut or a hook. I I'm a little bit tired of Dillian White's talking. I, I used to kind of find it amusing. I don't anymore. It's getting kind of old to me. And I would not mind seeing uh, Povetkin win this fight when it's all said and done. However, I do think that if Dillian White is in shape and uses his size and his length to just box at length, it's going to be a very difficult night for Povetkin. I, I agree. You know, I mean, it was a difficult night for Povetkin in the first fight. He was dropped. He was hurt. And he turned things around because he does carry power. I mean, it's a heavyweight fight. Things that always change with the big, with one big punch from a heavyweight. Um, you know, it's a very interesting rematch. Let's to say that it's the least. You know, I, I agree with you. I mean, look, I think even at a ill 
Jillian White, he's still going to pose problems. How serious was he? I think he's pretty serious if you wanted the match to happen, you know, sooner than later. So this kind of falls on preventing. Can he give that same performance? Can he get back up if he does get hurt again? There's a lot of ifs in this fight because can he land that big punch to turn things around if he is falling behind on the cards against Dillian White? A lot of ifs. Is Dillian White old overnight? Yep. Did that punch take out the what was left, you know, in yep. Dillian White? Or has it harvest, harvest enough for him to – regroup himself and come back and even fight even harder and do what Lennox Lewis did to Rockman, you know, yep. erase the loss, the knockout he had against Povetkin. A lot of ifs in this fight. I think it's a great fight. I think a lot of people here in, in, are in agreement. Uh, I'll probably do a live, guys, uh, Andre Nando's uh, London left hook. I'll, I'll leave the link out there on Saturday. Hopefully you guys can join in. And I'll give a more thorough analysis prior to the fight. It's just that we've run over here. And uh, we do want to support uh, our guys over there at the shoe shine. So um, but yeah. I, I will do a, a more thorough analysis. And I'm sure David will, too. And hopefully we can do it together. But Absolutely. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in live. This was a great show. You guys seem to think it was as well, and which is always good. So go leave us that reviewer, guys, on, on iTunes and everywhere else. And... That is it for today, right, Dave? Absolutely. Don't drink and drive because you will spill that beer. And hit that like button and notification bell. Take care, guys. Take care.